Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Hi there. I'm joined by my great wingman, Sean Kleisinger, and we're joined by you. We call our listeners the Sports Cage shareholders. Another mild January day in 2023 in downtown Regina, and one more day like this means one less cold day, and that's all on the positive side. we got a great show lined up here, man. Um, Peter Lubardius is going to join us. We'll check in with John Hodge of Three Down Nation talking CFL winter meetings. We've got a live Where Are They Now? just after 4 o'clock, courtesy of Floor Coverings International. Matt Dunnigan joins us, and we'll fill you in as to why we're talking to him today live. Les Lazarek from the Saskatoon Blades, as he is their longtime voice. We'll talk to him about what they did at the deadline and going forward. Danny Machocha of the Montreal Alouettes around 4.30. Uh, we'll also talk some women's sports with uh, the CEO of Women's in Sports, that organization, Allison's her name, and they just had a report saying we need to do more for women in sports. Jason Manity talking some ice fishing. And before the show is done, Mark Tressman and Orlando Steinauer. Not Orlando, Orlando. Believe me, that's something he gets all the time. We'll ask him about that before the show is done. Let's get to some of the uh, news and notes. BC Lions quarterback Nathan Rourke worked out for the Cleveland Browns on Wednesday. So far, he's worked out. That's 12 workouts, 12 NFL workouts. Uh, Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has been ruled out for Sunday's wild card game. So it'll be the Bills and Josh Allen against Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> You're stealing my sports stickers here, man. Good That's exactly why. Good night, luck, Dolphins. Dolphins. Uh, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson faces an uphill battle to play Sunday against Cincinnati and. Uh, Tyler Huntley, the other quarterback, wasn't throwing at practice today. Bill Safety, DeMar Hamlin, released from a Buffalo hospital more than a week after he went into cardiac arrest and had to be resuscitated twice in Cincinnati, once on the field, once at the hospital. Edmonton at Anaheim, Oilers are soiling the sheets. Tied with St. Louis for the final playoff spot in the NHL's West. Nashville carries a four-game win streak tonight into Toronto. Leafs are without Austin Matthews. He's got an undisclosed injury. And Washington's at Philly. L.A. host San Jose. I believe the Moose Jaw Warriors are in action tonight against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Um, I think Saskatoon's home tonight to the Portland Winterhawks and the marquee matchup, the Winnipeg Ice taking on the Seattle Thunderbirds, two of the best teams in the CHL. Not just the Western Hockey League, the CHL. And they will face off in Winnipeg in that very small rink. Let us uh, head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and very uh, happy to be joined and very kind of him to join us on a game day. James Gallo, voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors. A happy new year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, Ballsy. After hearing that rundown, I'm a little bit nervous betting leadoff here. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, no, it's good. Yo, hey, you start. You got to hook them at the start. That's why I got you in here, man. Uh, by the way, you're calling the Warriors Lethbridge game tonight, but as a, a longtime Western Hockey League observer, if you didn't have to be in Lethbridge doing your job, which you enjoy, I'm sure you'd love to be watching that Winnipeg Seattle game. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'd rather be in Red Deer for the Warriors and Rebels. I think that's a pretty good matchup, two and four overall in the Eastern Conference. So that's uh, that's where I'm at. 
Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. My fault. It was Red Deer. Yeah, I'm I'm getting the teams and days and deadlines all mixed up. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a very You're two weeks ahead. That's You're a, two weeks ahead. We'll be in Lethbridge in two weeks. There, see, I'm always ahead. What? I'm always ahead of the now, curve. Winnipeg Seattle game yeah. is gonna be furious. I think Seattle. They've lost the last two games, and uh, Winnipeg will have all their new acquisitions in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, boy, that would be exciting. I'm not going to lie. That might be on WHL Live, uh, you know, before getting ready for the Warriors and Rebels tonight. Now, two versus four, like you said here in this game tonight, Red Deer and Moose Jaw. Okay. Um, so, do these teams, like, it's it's weird to say, but because of what we just talked about, are these teams kind of under the radar, or what do we expect of these two teams? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. They're ballsy. Like, I think, you know, the Red Deer Rebels got off to such an amazing start where they won the 15 straight hockey games to begin the season. And, you know, since then, you know, they lost two games in Winnipeg. That's what ended the streak, you know, back it was October, November, whatever it was. And, you know, since then, I think the buzz around Red Deer has, has quieted. I think Moose Jaw, you know, this year has been able to slide under the Connor Bedard radar, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody's focused in on Regina. Don't blame that. And, you know, credit the Saskatoon Blades. They're having an amazing season. And I think with that being said, you know, Moose Jaw gets to slide down the pecking order a little bit, which which is kind of nice because it, it's nice being under the radar this time of year. Um, and that's just on the outside circles, I'm sure, inside the Western Hockey League circles. You know, everybody's familiar with the Moose Jaw Warriors and the Red Deer Rebels and what they can do. But, you know, these are two teams that – not a lot of people really focused in on them. And, you know, especially they don't make any big splashy trades in the past couple of days. So, um, you know, they'll take it. A little under-the-radar matchup tonight. I don't mind that. Well, uh, there'll be uh, Ornery, I would think, falling to Edmonton last night, 3-2, right? <laughs> it was a quiet bus ride there, Baldy. You could hear multiple pin drops on the way from Edmonton to Red Deer. Uh yeah, that, that wasn't their best game last night. And I think, you know, talking to the players earlier today, uh, you know, I spoke with Ryder Korzak specifically. He talked about accountability, said he wasn't good. He said his team wasn't good, and they've got something to prove. And I like hearing that from a 20-year-old that shows maturity, that shows, uh, you know, the drive to be a professional from Ryder. And, you know, this team has shown good resiliency in the past, bouncing back from duds like last night. Let's see if they can do it tonight. So assess uh, what the Warriors did or didn't do uh uh, prior to and through the deadline for me? Yeah, you know what? I think it's uh, it's different. I think, you know, probably when you get to that January 7 to 10, it's really exciting to see your team make trades, and especially if they're those big blockbusters. Uh, you know, the Warriors obviously didn't do anything in the past, you know, a couple of months, as a matter of fact. Their last trade was in December. But I think it's important for people to understand that Musha got ahead with their picks. Uh, back in May of last year, they got Connor Unger from the Red Deer Rebels. And I think Connor, you know, their starting goaltender, 20 years old, is probably their MVP so far this season. Uh, they get Ryder Korzak back in November from the American Hockey League, which is basically a free impact elite 20-year-old. And then they get Logan Dowhediak, uh in the middle of December. Logan, of course, 20-year-old defenseman, um, you know, part of that Eastern or that uh, WHL championship team for the Edmonton Oil Kings last year. The way you have to look at a ballsy is, is what Moose Jaw got in those three 20-year-olds. They, when, when they did it, they got it at great prices. If they had to do that in the last week, you're talking multiple firsts, you're talking multiple seconds, and you're probably talking, you know, some prospects or some 17-year-olds or 18-year-olds that you, you don't want to move. And, you know, so that's where Moose Jaw, I think, was ahead. You know, talking to general manager Jason Ripplinger last night, 
he, he's proud of the fact that when you look at this Warrior roster, there's just three players acquired through trade, one of them being Ryder Korzak, who has grown up with the organization for the last four years. He takes a lot of pride in the fact that this team is built through the draft, it's built through listing players, and it's developed through the coaching staff. And, you know, that's what this team wants to do. It's the culture he wants to set, and I think he's proud to go in the second half with a team that 95% of it is homegrown. All right, two more questions for you, James Gallo. Warriors are going to be honoring a couple of legends as uh, as you're going to have a big uh, Legends Hall of Fame ceremony. February 16th, Kevin Masters and Paul Dick. That'll be a nice night. Yeah, it's always great. I think there's been a, there's been a, a hunger to have this night. We haven't had it. Uh, since 2020, obviously due to the COVID pandemic, uh, but it's nice going to have back and you know two well-deserving guys. Kevin Masters, sixth all-time in Warriors scoring uh, by defenseman. Uh, he, he's used his education fund, got a degree in kinesiology. Uh, he lives up in Edmonton now, works with young athletes, which is great. His son uh, is plays for the Kamloops Blazers. He's a former Red Deer Rebel, so. Um, you know, Kevin well-deserving. Then Paul Dick, you know, Paul Dick had a great career with the Warriors. He was only there for two years, but then he was drafted inside by the Pittsburgh Penguins. He goes off, he plays 15 years pro, and now in the MGHL, he's, he was the quickest of 400 wins, I do believe, uh, with the Steinbeck Pistons. He's got a great program there, and these are two guys well-deserving of the honor to go in the Warriors Hall of Fame. Lastly, James Gallo, Sean Kleisinger and I are big fans of unis. We, we discuss unis quite a bit. I really like that Moose Jaw Warriors new uniform. How's it gone over? Pretty well, I think. You know what? It's it's gone over really well. I think maybe a little slow, but I think when people saw the new uniforms and the new look, um, you know, it, it says Moose Jaw, and I think people are proud of it, and it, it's fun, right? I mean, you know, the guys really enjoy it. They call their track suits when we go to the rink the flight suits now. So uh, they can have some fun with it. And uh, the new look has gone over really well. And I'm really happy the way that the Warrior fans have taken to it. Well, let's see if the Warriors can take off tonight in Red Deer, not Lethbridge. <laughs> I'm glad. You know what? You were worried about opening up this show, but you've set the tone, James Gallo. You whipped me into. I was a little bit groggy, and you smacked me right back to life. Thanks, Gallo. Hey, Baldy, it is the octagon, right? That's what the, That's the right. promo says. It's That's the right. sports cage octagon. Proud right. to be in there first. Hey, have a, have a good show, guys, and uh, looking forward to the next time we can chat. All right, man. Good luck tonight. The Moose Jaw Warriors in Red Deer. I mean, we cheer for the Pats around here. Hey, by the way, Zinger, before we go to break, <clears throat> I'm 50 years old, okay? I just turned 50. I know. I'm getting close to 70. So I want to preface this by saying I'm a 50-year-old guy that has been to two SGI driving courses, okay, because I have a heavy foot, all right? So my okay. driver points. So I'm not the greatest driver in the world. That's okay. I, want I don't people drive to hear whatsoever. That. So. I want people to hear that clearly. But I believe, and I'm going to piss people off when I say this, but I don't care. Any time you're north of 70, 71, 72, 73, you need to have a driver's test every year. I was driving. I turned on to Rose Street here, and I'm in the most, I'm in the right hand lane going north, closest to the Ramada Parkade. Okay. And I am a car length behind, car length and a bit behind this pickup truck who is in the left hand lane going north. So furthest lane away from the parkade, right? Mm -hmm. He makes a right-hand turn across my lane, I have to slam on the brakes and come within a width of a piece of paper from hitting him. And dude, with his Sask elevator hat, 
pulled down like a farmer would be. And I love farmers. Don't get me wrong. I love farmers. Lots of my families are from, but you know how it is. You know, your old grandpa on the farm. And he looks at me like almost like it part. I, I kind of felt good because it made me feel like a young guy for a change. Like he was looking at me like I'm a young whippersnapper. Yeah. Dude, you're wrong. You can't make... So I, what did I do? I rolled down my passenger window, and I yelled at him. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make that turn! Over send. My dad's over 70, and I'll be over 70 one day soon, hopefully, too. Like, I'll... Not soon, but I'll be there one day. My question was going to be if you swore or not. No, I did not swear. I was at least partly respectable. I said, but hey, man, you can't make that turn! Gosh, that would scare me. Hopefully he's gonna. Well, I would have been. My car would have been an accordion. But what, come on, what man. if he? What if? What if he's damaged now? What if he's not gonna sleep tonight? What if he's gonna go in a rut now? You know, he probably can't I mean, hear I, out of that ear. Hello, <laughs> Wayburn. Let's talk hockey with NHL broadcaster Peter Labardius. Nobody knows the game at all levels like Peter. From the Regina Pats broadcast booth to being a leading voice on Calgary Flames Radio, this is Peter's Puck. I love that intro. A great intro for a great man, Peter Labardius. The Greek Freak! Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You're the original Greek Freak, not this phony center for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um. Okay. You don't sure. Even, we'll you, go. You we'll go with that. You don't even know quite how to answer that. Okay. So uh, first no. off, Ask him if you can, pronounce can you pronounce Giannis? The last name for Giannis. That's what Zinger wants to know. Can you pronounce Giannis's last name? Antetokounmpo. That's that is unbelievable. <laughs> Great job. Giannis Antetokounmpo. How do you say that? I can't even do it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Don't make me, don't make me do it again. again. Giannis Antetokounmpo. And you know what? It's, it's, not, it's not really a typical Greek. No, it's not. Are you offended when I call you Greek freak? Because I almost, I almost feel like you were offended. Well, you know, <laughs> I always say to a lot of people, I, I'm half not always the best half um but it did we just lose him i think we upset him He's i think gone. he hung up <laughs> phone him back phone him back get him back come on i didn't mean to tick him off he just hung up on me i call listen i didn't mean oh man this is such a soft world peter hung up on me he's mad because i called him the greek freak i mean that in a in a great way he's freakish freakishly talented Peter Lubardius, longtime NHL voice, longtime Western Hockey League voice. And uh, yeah, we, you know, there's something with our phone system too. About 320 and 520, we always have a guy on and we lose him, right? It's always 320 and it's always 520. It's the Martians. Have it's you got- ever seen the movie Signs with Mel Gibson? No. Well, no, I steer clear of Mel Gibson stuff. Okay, back to our friend Peter. <laughs> back to our friend Pete, Peter Lubardius. So, Lou, I want to say this. No, hang on. Hang yeah, on. Let yeah. me finish what we were talking about. Yeah. Before. I'm incredibly proud of, of my heritage, mm-hmm. um, but make no bones about it. I am Canadian through and through and through and through. I know, there and that's where yeah. I'm going with this. You and your son did make yeah. it to the World Juniors. That was a, That's what life's all about, experiencing things with the ones you love. That must have been a cool time. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredibly special couple of days. Um, 
my son the last two, three years is, for whatever reason, he has uh, launched into the World Junior and he's caught the bug. And certainly dad is not going to uh, diminish that or not try to uh, capitalize on it. And uh, we had two incredible days. And I joke now because... My son has been at two World Junior Finals, and Canada has won both of them <laughs> in overtime. So maybe he just needs to go every year. I do not have that kind of luck. But uh, Kale's been a, been a good luck charm, and as I've shared on our radio station in Calgary, and I'll share it here, um, Michael, you know this, and, and Sean, you know this, is now a young dad. Um the look in my son's eyes when we turned to one another after that gold medal winner by Dylan Gunther is a look on his face I will never forget and will take to my grave. Yeah, it's awesome. Man, I didn't know it was possible, but Connor Bedard went to another level. He did go to another level. And um, brilliant. I don't know if I saw that kind of dominance. Now, let's let's keep in mind, in some respects, that, you know, we had some pretty huge nights point-wise against some less-than-stellar opposition, but to get 23 points, Michael, as a 17-year-old, like, that's, that's arguably, well, it is. It's the greatest 17-year-old performance in that tournament's history. The only one I remember from a 17-year-old was Lindros in Regina and Saskatoon in 1990-91, and he had 17 in his 17-year-old year. So um, incredible. I, I think it's going to lead to some incredible crowds down the stretch. I mean, if you don't get out to see this guy, you know, in a Western League city or market, between now and the end of the season, you're missing out. Yeah. It's uh, it's a marvelous thing. He's, you know, Michael, you know, we've both been around for a long time. I don't know if a player, and listen, I'm not saying he's the best player in WHL history because that, you know, that's not the case, and there's a lot to do prior to me thinking that way, but... I don't ever remember anybody coming along with this kind of star power. Yeah, he's he is uh, he's definitely phenomenal. What is it? Ninety three points in thirty six games in the Western Hockey League. In in the yeah, only came home with a six spot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came back. Said, you know, I'll put six up on the board. So you're right. I encourage Pat fans to get out and watch him. Where I know people are saying ticket prices are high, but they're not as high as it would be when you want to go see him in Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. Yeah, next year. Yeah, Minnesota with the Wild. Whatever's close to Regina. Got two and a half minutes left. The best you can. Will the Oilers and Flames make the playoffs? Both of them? And if not, yeah. which one does and which one misses? Because I'll tell you what, they're both underachieving, but the Oilers are particularly an embarrassment right now. <laughs> you might be a fan of that team. Well, I don't care. Uh, even if I even if I'm not. You've got a guy who's playing otherworldly. You got the another top five guy. You, you, it's it, it's it, the the lack of consistency for both of these teams, but in particular Edmonton, is is frustrating. 
Okay, let me leave this with you because obviously as a person around the flames, it is frustrating. I want you to I want you to do a little exercise for me, okay? And it can't be on the air. Go take a look at the Oilers and Flames records. You can just look at the Oilers because you don't really, you know, I mean, I know I don't blame you. But look at the Oilers record after however many games they've played last season. I know it's the same. where they are. It's the same. I know, but that's the thing that ticks me off. They should be ahead of this. Okay, and that's fair. And, And I feel the same way about Calgary. Just remember, there is half a season left to go. I know, but come on. The, the, the consist, the, like, how can a Seattle Kraken team roll out six wins in a row and be a pretty consistent squad and the Oilers keep doing and the Flames, but I'm more mad at the Oilers because the Oilers should be ahead of the Flames. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over okay, again. Okay, just, just that. Here's, here's the last point I'm going to leave you with because you got a lot of show, other great guests. You know, you got to. Nobody's better than the Greek freak. Well, you need to stop that. Come up with a Canadian name. Um, anyway, listen listen to just this particular factor about Seattle in comparison to the other two. Are the Seattle Kraken not playing with house money this season? What kind of expectations are on them? And then what kind of expectations are on a team that made it to the third round and won the division? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thanks for their team has done a very good job managing expectations, and you know what has a lot to do with that? Outside noise in a Canadian market where it's one of the greatest lines I've ever heard. In Canada, we analyze the NHL as 82 one-game seasons, and we get why. But just let's not lose perspective on it is 182 game season. That's put very well. I'll come up with a Canadian nickname Captain next time. Canada. Captain, Captain Canada. Canada. Well, that was, wasn't that Ryan Smith? Anyway, <laughs> no, no, it's the new one, one in town. Taken. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Lou. Yeah, well, I know I'm not a Greek god, that's for sure. Okay, <laughs> well, bye-bye. I might use that next. That's Peter Lubardi as Peter's Puck here in the Sports Cage on 620 Seek Prices. 332 with your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. So after more than nine days in two hospitals, Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin has been discharged from Buffalo General Medical Center. The team announced Wednesday. So Hamlin is now back at his home in Buffalo with his family. He went through a series of comprehensive medical evaluations as well as a series of cardiac, neurological, and vascular testing on Tuesday. Use your ding sense. Report. Matt Beers of the Saskatchewan Rush, longtime member of the Stealth franchise that started out in Washington, then they relocated to Vancouver to become the Vancouver Stealth, and then a rebrand changed the name to the Vancouver Warriors. Matt, what year is this for you? 12 or 13 in the NLL? Uh, it's hard to remember because I took, I had to take a year off for probation from the fire department. We missed a year because of COVID, so right. maybe maybe 11 years playing. Yeah, in, in that ballpark, and you've seen a couple 
different cities and a few different team names. And now you're in your second season, I guess it is, with Saskatchewan. How are you enjoying the prairie life so far? Oh, it's wonderful. Everybody there in Saskatchewan is just so kind. And obviously the team and the dynamic with all the players and good friends, it's just been uh it's been a fantastic experience. So what's it look like for NLL player while the season is on? Do the majority of players travel back and forth from home, or do they stay in the team city? Uh, we actually have three players that are moving to the city to uh, help with the grassroots of Saskatchewan lacrosse and grow the game and uh, be able to train kind of uh, on another level, just kind of being in the city and having access to all the facilities. Um, right. But the majority of the players are coming, flying from out of town and flying in for the weekend and the practice and the game and then flying home to their respective cities. Matt Beers of the Saskatchewan Rush with us. And Matt, you're talking with a huge bobblehead collector right now. And I think I have around 100 bobbleheads. And I couldn't help but notice a few years ago, I saw it online. Matt Beers had his own bobblehead night in Vancouver. Do you have one sitting on your coffee table right now? <laughs> I uh, I actually uh, was once with Vancouver Stealth and once with Vancouver Warriors. We did a bobblehead, so Ooh. I'm lucky enough to have two sitting up there on the mantle. Well, we got to get one going here with the Saskatchewan Rush. Such an exciting free agent signing a few years ago, and you guys are getting set to take on the Colorado Mammoth on Friday night in Denver. Both teams are 2-1. and one. Matt Beers, what's it like for you playing in Denver? I know the Mammoth had your number for a while there while uh, you were with Vancouver. Where does Colorado rank? in terms of the best venues to play in? Uh, the Pepsi Center, now the uh, Ball Arena, I believe, is a pretty spectacular place. Uh, they've had some nice upgrades to it since I've started playing there with a the nice new Jumbotron. and mm. uh, It's a pretty cool facility. They usually draw a good crowd, and obviously being the champs from last year, I think they're, they're still rolling off their success from last year, so it should be a full barn. How about the Sastel Center? When it gets going, it gets going in there. You know, the the fist pounding on the chest and all that. It has a great atmosphere up there in Saskatoon. Oh, it's wonderful. The fans are just great. Uh, I was lucky enough to play the first ever game in the Sastel Center against the Rush when I was on the the Stealth or Warriors. Can't remember back then. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, we, uh, we definitely have seen some big crowds there, and they're right into it. Matt Beers of your Saskatchewan Rush getting set to take on the Colorado Mammoth this Friday down in Denver. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. McDermott is the snapper. And the kick is no good! Wow! Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline here is John Ryan, Regina Football Royalty, only Saskatchewan kid to win a Super Bowl. We're getting set for the NFL playoffs. John, that happened January 10th, 2016, outdoors in Minneapolis as Blair Walsh missed a 27-yard field goal, and you guys survived to win 10-9 in a wild card game. Besides that uh, horrible kick, and he missed it by about 20 yards. Like It was terrible. It just went on. Uh, what do you remember about that? Well, uh, that had to be the coldest game you ever played. Uh, it was one of the coldest. Uh, I don't think it was the coldest, but it was definitely up there. Uh, what I remember is sitting on the sideline before the game, being saying to myself, this is going to be the longest three hours of your life. And then our first drive, we go three and out. I go on to punt. Uh, a bad snap, uh, understandable in that cold. Bad snap. I go to run it, and I break my nose. Like, clean in half, break my nose, blood all over the place. And then I was like, I, I thought it was going to be a long three hours. Ten minutes ago, it's really going to be a long three hours, but 
That's the, that's what I remember from that game. So uh, was that was the one in two thousand and seven when you guys lost to the Giants? Was that colder than uh, the NFC yeah. Championship game than that one? I, I I don't know if it was colder. I, I remember it being colder. Uh, I think that uh, that game in Minnesota and that game in Green Bay were two of the. I believe they're two of the three coldest playoff games of all time. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that was Brett Favre's last game, and wasn't that your last game as a Green Bay Packer too? It was, yeah, yeah. It was the last one for both of us. Wow, a, a legend is done in Green Bay, and then Brett Favre was done too. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so I saw you were back to. Uh, to uh, see what could be the last game for Mason Crosby with the Green Bay Packers, do you think it is? And just your thoughts on his uh, time as kicker there? Yeah, I was able to get back to Green Bay uh, this past weekend to watch the game. It was actually the first uh, NFL regular season game I've been to in over twenty years that I wasn't playing in, so it was just pretty cool for me. And uh, I was talking to Mason earlier in the week, and he said, "Yeah, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? I'm a free agent. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go into rebuild mode or, or what they're going to do. So this could be my last game." So. Uh, I told him I was there at the first, so it was going to be the last that had to be there, too, so I went out there. He's uh, he's had quite the career. I think he's played 258 consecutive games, hasn't missed a game since he was drafted there, uh, has the record, just broke the record over far for consecutive games, has the, broke the all-time point leaders, became the all-time point leader for a Packer like 10 years ago or something like that. Like, he, he's, he's smashed every record. Um, he'll be, uh, in my opinion, probably be a Ring of Honor guy in Green Bay and a legend there forever. You were a brief teammate with Aaron Rodgers. Did you get a chance to rub shoulders with him before or after that game? I didn't. I did not. I was down the sideline uh, before the game, but, uh, you know, some uh, some players are kind of in the zone before the game, so I know better to bother them. Mm. Uh, so I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him at all, no. That feels like it was Aaron Rodgers' last game. It kind of had that feel to it, you know, uh, what he's going to do now. I mean, uh, I think he's guaranteed over $50 million. 60, 60, 60, <laughs> 60, yeah. 60, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough number to walk away from no matter how much money you make or how much money you've made in the past. So uh, nothing would surprise you, though, with Aaron. He's kind of a wild card these days. So if he, he walks away, I wouldn't be surprised. If he came back, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he holds all the cards. Like, he really does. Because if they cut him, they owe him that money. No team's going to trade for him. He either retires or he decides to come back for one more year. Exactly. He has all the power right now. And uh, as players on the player side and as the player union, they're, they're very happy about that. The, you know, a player kind of has that power over uh, the team. Hey, uh, a week ago you were on, over a week ago, you were on the day after uh, Hamlin went down uh, and we were speculating off the air. You and I thought, oh man, this is not going to end well. And now he's checked out of Buffalo Hospital and he's home. That's miraculous. Just an absolutely miraculous story, you know, and I feel like these days, you know, we talk about how how terrible people are. And I think that you really saw just actually how great people are with the support to his charity um, the fans in, in Cincinnati, how they uh, supported him and, uh, you know, cheered for him and everything. And just all the all the teams this this week uh, with the, the moment of cheer before every game, the fans and the players all kind of coming together. And that, uh, that sense of unity was pretty cool. Well, the story that uh, I've been reading, or a couple of them, the guys that should get a lot of the credit, besides the dude that saved them, Denny Kennington, the assistant athletic trainer for Buffalo, and then all the other medical personnel, Zach Taylor took the lead from Cincinnati and then Sean McDermott. Because I think if the NFL had their way, they still would have played that game. Um, I, I really would like to think that they wouldn't. I really would, but uh, I'm not so sure. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy they didn't play that game. They, you know, the some things are bigger than football, and uh, 
uh, a young man's life is certainly bigger than football. And uh, at the time, they didn't know what was going to happen. And I know that there's been some squabbling in the last uh, you know week or so about how they should do with that game, and then they came to a conclusion. But uh, the right move was not to play it, and uh, thank God they didn't. Let's get to some of these predictions now, John Ryan. An expanded wild card weekend. The first round of the playoffs in any sport are always the best. So let's go with uh, Buffalo, Miami. Looks like it's going to be. Skyler Thompson against Josh Allen. Buffalo should smoke them. Yeah, I thought it might be a game if Tua was in there. Uh, with Tua being out, uh, Miami has, you know, they have they don't want to go to Buffalo right now. <laughs> they, they have they want to stay in the beach in Miami. There's no way they want to play that game. Uh, you know, I'm going, you know, Josh Allen and the Bills by, you know, 14 plus. I don't think it's going to be that good a game. Okay, Saturday night. I'm going to steal a line from Will Farrell. <laughs> What an idiot! Brandon Staley plays his dudes in a meaningless game, and now Mike Williams probably won't play with a back injury. I like the Chargers till that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has never lost a Saturday game, high school, college, or the NFL, and I don't think he loses here. I think the Jags are going to beat my Chargers. Yeah, you know, I, I'd love to see Trevor Lawrence win. I think that his last season was a complete throwaway because of that idiot head coach they had. So uh, I think he kind of lost the whole season of progression. And uh, this season he's really started to, started to prove himself as a good quarterback. Uh, I hate to, char- to uh, cheer against your, your team, Mike, but uh, I do see the, the Jaguars going off from here. Yeah, I know. I can be, I can be some, like, I'll be pleasantly happy if the, uh, if the char- the San Diego Chargers move on. I refuse to call them the LA Chargers. 49ers Seahawks, Brock Purdy versus Geno Smith. What a matchup. But Brock Purdy, he might be the second coming of Tom Brady. I mean, that's what everything points to. I mean, he's had an absolutely terrific year. I think when we saw those first two quarterbacks go down, uh, everyone's kind of like the San Francisco season's over, and this Mr. Irrelevant comes in and uh, just plays outstanding. He's been very, very impressive. Um, I think uh, my, my prediction for this game is that, uh, you know, Cinderella, Purdy, strikes 12, and uh, the Seahawks win. All right. I, uh, you're not biased or anything. I get it. I get it. J, J, <laughs> J9's cheering for K9. I get it. Hey, uh, so the Giants, the G-men in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Now, the Vikings could win by 20, or they could lose by 20. That's that's the kind of team they are. Which Vikings show up for this one? Uh, you know, I think at home, I just think they're going to be too strong. Too, too much for the uh, for the Giants on on this day. Uh, I think it could potentially be a close game, but uh, the Vikings win. Okay, John Harbaugh might need his brother Jim Harbaugh to strap it on one more time and come back and play NFL quarterback because uh, it doesn't look like I don't know who's going to quarterback for them, but they're playing the Bengals. This one could be a blowout too. Bengals should roll this one. You know, if if Lamar is out, is what everything's pointing towards him not playing? Is that correct? Yes, right. Yeah, I thought if he played, they could come in and have a, uh, an upset. But uh, without him in the lineup, they have no chance. Bengals win. Yeah, okay. And will this be Tom Brady's last game in Tampa? Careful how I phrase that, because that doesn't necessarily mean he's done, because they, they only get one playoff game. But is this his last game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, maybe? Uh, it's his second last game. Oh, you think they're beating? They, they beat the Cowboys. I mean, it, it, this is a really interesting matchup, in my opinion. Um, I think that whenever you look at have a team in the playoffs at home and their quarterback's name is Tom Brady, even though it's not Tom Brady of old, I still like their chances. Uh, Cowboys have kind of been up and down a little bit. 
uh, you know, and if they do what the Cowboys have done in the last 10 years, they'll, they'll find a way to screw it up. So, uh, John Ryan, Super Bowl champ, has the Cowboys, Bengals, Bills, Vikings, uh, Jaguars, and his Seahawks. I uh, I don't disagree with many of those. I'm going to take the 49ers. I think you're a little biased there. I think the mm-hmm. clock strikes 12 for somebody else, Geno Smith. He turns into Geno Lewis. <laughs> and they end up losing that game. Going to be very interesting, John. Thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Anytime, buddy. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's John Ryan joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll head to the winter meetings. At least we'll talk about the winter meetings in the CFL in Kananaskis with John Hodge of Three Down Nation here on the Sports Cage on 620.com. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. We're talking with the Three Down Nations, John Hodge. John, the winter meeting's going on in Kananaskis, Alberta. I love it when the league stays in the news, kind of hot stove style. I uh, listen to the uh, Three Down Nation podcast with Justin Dunk, uh, your colleague who is live on location there, uh, covering the day-to-day happenings. He had a talk, a little sit-down with Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner. I just, whenever... I like Randy Ambrosi as a guy. Um, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm totally against him as a commissioner, but I find from league office, there's a lot of words, but not a lot of news, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, and by the way, Ballsy, my, my kudos to you on the way you pronounce is it Kanaskis? I, I can't say Kanan, that word Kanan, for the life of me. Kananaskis. <laughs> I just keep saying Alberta. I guess that's why you're the broadcaster and, uh, and I'm not. So well done. But I, I agree with what you're saying. And, and to his credit, to some extent, Randy Ambrosi did say that when talking about expansion in the interview, saying, look, it's time that we stop talking about expansion and start doing it. Because the reality is I am not convinced this league is any closer to expanding than it was in 2005. Yes, in between then and now, they have brought back the Ottawa Red Blacks and done so uh, very well, right? The Red Blacks, you know, if, if you go back, say, 10 years, 15 years, the thought of having a sustainable CFL team in Ottawa was was, was not one that a lot of people had. And now it's, you know, it's, it's taken for granted that, that the Red Blacks do well. They, they've won almost no games since 2019, yeah. yet they have 20,000-plus fans, which is fantastic. That being said, I'm talking about Atlantic Canada. The CFL played its first touchdown Atlantic game at Husky Stadium in Halifax in 2005. They are doing the exact same thing this year with the Argos and Riders playing that game. And Ambrosi talked about you know the possibility of saying, "Hey, look, we, we we've come to the realization that you know a, a potential team there, a potential owner is not going to build you know Mosaic Stadium or IG Field. We might have to retrofit an older building." For, for some type of temporary solution before a solution becomes permanent. And to that, frankly, I would say, duh. Yeah. Like, no, no owner was ever going to say, hey, let's spend $250 million building a state-of-the-art uh, stadium for a team that people might not support after it's no longer the latest, cool, hot thing. 
This was always a step the CFL needed to take, and it's unfortunate that it seems to have taken them 18 years and several different leadership groups to fully embrace. Good point, John Hodge. I, I totally uh, agree with you. And it's like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna test it again. Eighteen years later at St. Mary's University, and we'll bring back the same two teams because we know the tractor factor travels well. They better hope the riders are. Uh, they hope they better hope the riders in those uh, first six games give the fans here in Saskatchewan something to cheer about, or they will not be traveling east to watch the game because the novelty would have worn off with a trip to uh, Nova Scotia. But that's just my opinion Uh, a u.s tv deal what do you know about that well i'll say this i think that the cfl has realized that domestically the television deal that they have with tsn as much as they are very proud partners of that uh, that organization and those organizations have grown remarkably close over the last, I believe it's 16 years that they have been exclusive television partners. I think they've realized that those dollars are, are not going to grow considerably, especially in the era of cable cutting. This is not a deal that is going to grow, let's say, you know, on, on, a, on a cusp of, of 5 10% each year, like we're seeing with the NFL, whose rights are growing constantly in terms of their value. The CFL, if they're looking to generate new streams of revenue, they've obviously done it with gambling, right? The, the legalization of single-game sports betting in Canada is, has opened up some opportunities for the CFL there. I think this is another one of them. Historically, the CFL has sold its television rights to ESPN for a song. I've had a league source confirm to me that that amount that they earn from that deal is is in the neighborhood of a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars U.S. per year. Hmm. Obviously, that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to the CFL deal, or pardon me, the TSN deal, which is worth reportedly fifty million Canadian per year. But I think the CFL has sold their rights to ESPN not so much for the money, but for the exposure. They want to be on American televisions. They want fans down south connecting to the Canadian game, especially at a time when there's not a lot else on television. And let's also talk about this. I'll give Ambrosi credit. They've figured this out. If you can get fans of the Cincinnati Bearcats to watch Zach Kolaris, right, and you can make those connections for some of these guys up in the CFL who were once college stars, you know, playing in front of 80, 90, 100,000 people at some of these major universities and colleges across the United States, there could be a nice built-in audience there for American TV. And the other thing is you don't have to hit an NFL-type home run with an American TV deal. All you need is a single, right? Mm -hmm. If you can get a single or, heck, a ground rule double, then you are greatly expanding your revenue streams, uh, particularly to the United States. Because, again, I don't think the domestic rights deals are going to explode in value anytime soon. The CFL needs to find new revenue streams. And if the new American deal can do that then kudos to them okay john what are you hearing about streaming though i uh i was contacted by a guy to get my audio he is a local guy he is involved in kind of an f1 series type deal that they're doing he was uh through town last year during the labor day classic i haven't heard anything else about it ambrosi kind of touched on it that you know we might look at some sort of streaming stuff are you hearing anything about that because that is when you talk about cutting cable that's the way of the future well, I'll say this. The, the CFL during the Grey Cup, I believe it was your question, Ballsy, about CFL Week. Yeah. The CFL implemented CFL Week under its previous commissioner, Jeffrey Orridge. 
The first one was in Regina. People loved it. The second one was in Winnipeg. People loved it again. And it was supposed to become an annual event held in conjunction with the Combine. Now, the event no longer took place as of 2019 due to a labor dispute between the league and the players. Then COVID hit, and uh, it was announced at Great Cup Week this year, through your question, that it's not returning anytime soon. And when I talk to some people around the league, they seem to say, look, our concern with CFL Week is that it is bringing back the same people who are already coming to all of our games and to Grey Cup and all of our events. We need to find ways to meet new people, meet new fans, and have them come to the CFL that way. And I think the number one way they're looking to do that is through this digital content uh, creation that just just like you mentioned the F1 series that's been done uh, I think that's on Netflix so I don't know what the CFL has planned or has in store but I'll say this if you are canceling and foregoing in-person events with your tried and true fans to pivot to a more digital content uh, uh, strategy you better nail that and it better be robust and the content better be good so if they have something planned I hope it's good because they are foregoing other opportunities to pursue this avenue. Hey, Ed, John, thanks for your time. Uh, look forward to chatting with you again in the very near future. My pleasure, Ballsy, anytime. All our guests coming to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. A little later on, we're going to hear from um, Orlando Steinauer, uh, his thoughts on um, what's going on in Hamilton, offered a Bo Levi Mitchell a contract and everything like that. We're also uh, going to hear from uh, Danny Machocha. From the Montreal Alouettes coming up here in about a half an hour time. And Mark Tressman will join us too. So lots of football talk. Hey, a couple of things to get to CFL-wise. Jake Ceresna, outstanding defensive tackle for the Edmonton Elks, will stay there on a two-year contract extension. Another thing to mention, um, Jamarcus Hardrick, the former Saskatchewan Rough Rider who went to Winnipeg, has signed an extension to stay with the Blue Bombers. So they're doing a great job retaining their guys. And if you're a WWE fan, we had Wavel Star on yesterday talking about that. Vince McMahon is back. We said he'll be back to sell the whole thing. Stephanie McMahon stepping down. She was the interim CEO while Vince was away. That hush money investigation. Um, she has stepped down now as he's back. And there's rumors. WWE about to be sold to the Saudis, Saudi Arabia. So they got the Live Golf Tournament, and soon, maybe the WWE. Stay tuned. And they got Cristiano Ronaldo, too. That's right. <laughs> they got them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a rock. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? And it's a presentation of Floor Coverings International. Need new floors? Let Floor Coverings International bring their mobile showroom to you. Visit their web, uh, website for your free consultation. This guy definitely falls in the legends category. He's on TSN, but he was on the playing field for a number of years. And briefly, as a coach in this league, that'd be Matt Dunnigan. How are you, Matt? 
I'm good, Ballsy. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah. You surviving up there? Yeah, we're surviving up here. It's actually very nice up here. I think it's like minus five today as I sit the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Uh, so, wow. any, so any day like that is one less day of cold weather. Uh, Matt, we got you on for, well, we liked uh, chopping it up with you, but it was on this day back in 1995 that the Birmingham Barracudas were awarded a franchise. And right. and the Memphis Mad Dogs, as the story goes, wanted to get Matt Dunnigan, but eventually Damon Allen ended up with the Memphis Mad Dogs, and Matty Ice would go... He's the real Matty Ice, by the way, not Ryan Dunnigan. Matty, Matty Ice would go to the Birmingham Barracudas. Uh, what did you think of your time there? Well, first of all, anytime you get to play for a guy like Jack Pardee, uh, you, you feel blessed. Um, you know, I, I can remember Jack addressing the team every morning. He'd come out of his coaching room, which came right into a big team meeting room. He's sitting in the front row waiting on him every day just to listen to his stories because he'd always give us one, right? <laughs> and uh, it was just to feed off his energy uh, was just, uh, I mean, magical to begin with. And then to be an ambassador for the Canadian Football League down in, in the States for the first time, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I was really excited about the opportunity to carry a torch and teach people about our game and, and uh, hopefully turn them on to it and love it as much as I did. 4,911 yards passing and 34 touchdowns, but you would uh, uh, break your hand and then uh, in the home finale, and then you missed the big playoff game, I believe, with San Antonio, and that ended up yeah. uh, being the demise of the team. Also in that year, if I'm not mistaken, Birmingham was at Calgary, and if I'm not mistaken, Doug Flutie went down, and a guy by the name of Jeff Garcia would make his debut, and the rest is history. So football's a small world. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's funny how things are connected like that. And, uh, yeah, I broke my hand twice that season, missed the first two games of the year, missed the last uh, game of three quarters of the season as well because I rebroke it when we were playing Edmonton, hit Larry Ruck's helmet. I remember that like it was yesterday. And, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do very well after that. But, yeah, we went up to Calgary and broke their home winning streak. Um, I remember that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Garcia was quarterback, and I said, "Who's this guy?" I mean, if it's, you know, you think you might have a chance, um, a better chance. Flutie goes down, and uh, then he steps up, and boy, it was a dogfight. And we're fortunate to get a win on the road against Calgary then and break their streak. But uh, country was introduced to uh, Garcia, and the rest is history. And uh, it's funny how things work, you know. A unique aspect of playing down in the states too, and that expansion for three years was. Those teams didn't have to have a ratio or contend with one. And right. uh, it was pretty unique trying to teach everybody about the CFL game, all the nuances. There was a lot going on down there in order to become a good football team. Matt, you uh, are an American that loves our game, but you mentioned the ratio yeah. there. I often wonder, how do you feel about our Canadian ratio? I'm a, Hey, I love the Americans. The two best Americans that ever played for the Riders, their statues are out front of uh, Mosaic Stadium and Lancaster and Reed. But the C in the CFL is very important to me. How yeah. do you feel about yeah. it? Uh, it's, you, you, uh, I love it. You know, it's it's what the game is. It's the only thing I've ever known as a professional athlete for the last 40 years. Uh it's, uh, I wouldn't do it any differently. Um, he, and for the CBA to get off of that number, or the numbers that they are now, and to relinquish any 
any roster spots is a big mistake. Um, the Canadian talent, as we see year after year, because of coaches and elevated players' abilities and, and uh, capabilities and work ethic, man, you know, they're, they're flooding the uh, all different types of professional football across the world. And, um, and the Canadian talent is uh, as good as it's ever been and absolutely no, no, I know no different. And, uh, and I love it. You know, it's, it's a unique aspect of that game because you can walk into a locker room and you pretty much go Canadian, 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 American, American, Canadian. You can point them out in a hurry. And, um, and, and, and it's, it's different, you know, it's, and I was in, in six lockers, locker rooms and teams. And I think that's what I prided myself on the most was, being able to understand each individual on that football team and uh, understand what their trigger points are and get the most out of them and get them going on the same page. And oftentimes with those Canadian athletes and, uh, uh, and back when I was playing, they just needed a big pat on the backside, you know, and pump full of confidence because they had the talent. You know, they just had to be put in a situation time and time again and, and reassured that they were good and, you know, coming from the starting quarterback, um, you know, I think it went a long way. And uh, I, I, I loved dealing with the dynamics of, of the ratio within the locker room, getting everybody on the same page. And one of the biggest things we ever had to overcome, Ballsy, was uh, practice schedule, right, and mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's still an issue in today's world and locker rooms because a lot of the Canadians are working two jobs and Americans think that uh, they don't have to. And – uh and it's it, it it causes some uh, uh, consternation or, or, uh, yeah. early with a football team. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Matt, was there would it, would there have been a way, in your opinion, for American expansion to work? Oh yeah, I, I tell you, the folks down here love the game. They loved our our brand of football. They, uh, it's more exciting, um, and more is happening. And I think it's more in, in, uh, uh, creative. And uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, if we had a legitimate TV deal um, in place and that everybody was playing with the same deck and the same rules, which they weren't when we expanded in 93, 4, and 5, uh, I think we would, uh, we'd still be down here. But rest assured, the National Football League, <laughs> they knew what was going on. And they yeah. threw every roadblock they could in our way in order to stop that from happening. And uh, I really believe that uh, I felt that in expansion when I was down here in just a year's time and watched it unfold. But it was chaotic all the time. Uh, I think our commissioner at the time, Commissioner Smith, uh, Larry did an excellent job of, of keeping our head above water and, and did the things he had to do, but our demise was didn't have a, a, a solid set of rules for every organization and franchise and a TV contract. But rest assured, everybody that's listening to this, I can tell you the Americans love Canadian football. This is Matt Dunnigan in our Where Are They Now segment. Uh, I, I, I haven't been in many quarterback rooms, but you'd be hard-pressed, Matt Dunnigan, to find a better quarterback room than Matt Dunnigan, Damon Allen, and Tracy Ham. Wow. Yeah, that was that was pretty solid. Tracy thought his stuff didn't stink, and uh, when we got him in '87, you know, Damon and I, uh, yeah, we put him right up on the board. 
and, um, you know, made him get us our coffee and our donuts, blah, 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 all that. <laughs> we had a fine system, and Damon and Trace were pay- paying a lot of fines being late, you know, because time is valuable for everybody. And, but we uh, we treated him like a rookie, and we, we knocked him off his perch because he's two-time national champion. They had an offense named after him. Uh, you know, had the ham bone down there mm-hmm. at Georgia Southern, and uh, he was a, a special athlete. And Damon and I knew that, but he had to learn the game the way that we learned it. And we had the good fortune of doing that, along with Henry Burris, myself, Damon, and Tracy, and uh, somebody else that uh, Steve uh, taught the way to approach the game. And we all felt that Steve Goldman was our key to success. And our ticket to and a roadmap to and how to get it done no matter where we were at. And so we owe a lot to that man, Steve Goldman, for sure. But Tracy, Damon, and I, we love being in that room together. Tell you what, we've got uh, free agency coming up. You, you've bounced around, like you said. You've played in a lot of teams. It's an interesting yeah. time in the league. Where do you think Bo Levi Mitchell ends up? <laughs> um, wherever the money is, you know. And, yeah. <laughs> And and where and wherever you know, I, you got to look at OC. You got to look at offensive line. The people around you. You just can't go in there. Um, uh, I, I think you know blindly and and say my skill set um, is going to uh, overcome everything. No, there's got to be some synergy on a lot of different levels. And uh, and whether you know, and I I can see Hamilton. I think that's a, a great start. I think that's a football team that's close. And, um, and, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that Bo's going to be the answer. You know, I'm just trying to figure out where he's going to go and where it's best for him. You know, I think Tommy Condell is an outstanding old coordinator. Uh, you know, we know about Coach O and his, and his approach to his players. The players love him. I think he'd have a great relationship with Bo. Uh, they've got talent there. They've got a good offensive line. Um, they've got a great defense. So I, I just think that. Uh, that, that's a that's a pretty solid fit. I'm not going to get off the Ticats to look anywhere else. I know he, they got his right to free agency coming up soon, uh, but I, I think Bo will take it there and test the waters and see what fits for him. But a lot of things got to be right in order to go somewhere. I've uh, I've said I think Bo Levi Mitchell will be the next quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that'll be interesting wow. to see how that goes. Yeah, out. it would be great. It would be, and uh, it'd be interesting. Right? The, the reason I say that is, you're right, there's a lot of factors, but when Bo Levi Mitchell, much like Matt Dunnigan when he was growing up, he didn't he he didn't dream of being a CFL quarterback. He dreamt of being an NFL quarterback. I believe Bo Levi Mitchell wants to have that NFL quarterback feel. You can't get that anywhere than right here in Saskatchewan. I know there's got to be other factors, but come on. You get to kick Calgary's ass three times a year. You get, you're, you're the face of a franchise, uh, something you... <laughs> You know what I mean? You're the big deal in town. Ballsy, you're the big deal in town, Ballsy. Come on, man. <laughs> you are the you're the guy, and and I know that you're going to be on the uh, on the committee in order to uh, usher him in. If in fact that's the case, so uh, you probably got some inside information I don't have. But yeah, wouldn't that be something if Bo ended up in Saskatchewan? This, uh, you know, and I think they've got some work to do. You know, one new OC, obviously, new offensive line coach, obviously. Um, you know, got to get, got to shore up that. You know, get some guys healthy, and uh, and Bo's got to simulate into a new offense. And so, 
a lot of things to be overcome if, in fact, that's going to work out, you know, favorably for the Ryder Nation. But uh, that, that's certainly exciting to talk about and think about. Yeah, it is. It's Hot Stove League, and the CFL needs more of that talk in the offseason. With great guys like Matt Dunnigan, thanks for your time, man. We'll call on you again, okay? Hey, please do, Ballsy. Have a good one, man. Stay warm. Yeah, we will. Matt Dunnigan joining us in our Where They Now feature for Floor Coverings International. We'll be back with the voice of the Saskatoon Blades in a moment. Les Lazarek here on 620. Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here at the corner of 12th and Rose in downtown Regina. Beautiful January the 11th. Like I said, any day like this, it's a good day in terms of weather. One less cold day. Uh, Jake Ceresna resigning with Edmonton, CFL News. Jamarcus uh, Hardrick signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers again. Saudis might buy WWE. So if you're a wrestling fan, that's an interesting uh, thing. I'm sure there'll be a lot of rednecks turning off their WWE network now, right? That's it. That's all she wrote. Um, seen a couple of funny memes, which I won't say, but there, you and I were chuckling about the kind of a takeoff on the Hulkamania thing. You can text us 936-6262. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Game time tonight, the Saskatoon Blades home to the Portland Winter Hawks. I think the Blades won the first matchup, if I'm not mistaken, in Oregon. And joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, longtime voice of the Saskatoon Blades, that would be our friend Les Lazaruk. Hi, Les. Ballsy, how you doing? I, I'm more interested now in that story about the WWE and yeah. the Saudis buying it. I mean, There's does that rumor. mean the Iron? Does that mean the Iron Sheik comes out of retirement? I have no idea. Maybe he's buying it. I have. No, I have no idea. Wow, that's crazy, man. Uh, so. Uh, Good hockey game tonight. The Portland Winterhawks roll into town. I always love when these West teams come in. Fans don't get to see these teams, but for once a year. And in the case of the Winterhawks, not for a long time. Yeah, this is going to be the first time in 1,460 days, almost four years to the day that the Winterhawks were last in Saskatoon. And uh, back then they had the different look. They had the old... uh, uh, First Nations head mm-hmm. on the front for to be, try and be politically correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was... It, and. They've changed it up. They've got uh, an actual hawk head now on the front of their jersey as their logo and uh, uh, different look and color and all the rest of it. So it's uh, it's a different team altogether, but there's still the same successful Portland Winterhawk franchise that we've come to expect with Mike Johnston at the helm as GM and head coach. Well, speaking of success, let's talk. Yeah, you got the 20. Man, there's some marquee matchups tonight. You got Moose Jaw in Red Deer. We had James Gallo on earlier. You got the Seattle Thunderbirds in Winnipeg to take on the ice. And you got the 26-6-2-1 Saskatoon Blades against the 27-6-2-1 Portland Winterhawks. You guys made a couple of deals. Uh, the big one, Chason coming over. Tell us about Jake Chason, what you expect from him, and are you happy? with what the Blades did at the trade deadline? Well, I I think the Blades had to do something. They've got four regular forwards out of their top nine forwards on the sidelines injured right now. So they've been kind of going along on a little bit of uh, 
tape and uh, and, and and some uh, liniment oil, trying to <laughs> trying to keep the trying to keep the uh, lineup going. Uh, kudos to the young kids who have stepped in uh, the old next man up routine. Uh, they've done pretty well for themselves, but you could still use, especially against these better teams, some older guys. And a guy like Jake Chase on will qualify as that a nineteen year old forward, a draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers a couple of years ago, uh, had an injury last year that kept him out of Brandon's lineup for all but 20 games last season. Uh, He's back. He's played 28 games this year. Uh, Sorry, he's played 37 games this year. He's got 28 points. So he's a a capable offensive player, uh, and I think that's just something that will add to the Blades' top six, certainly for tonight. And once they get some of their people back, uh, he'll probably still slot in as a top six forward. He's uh, he's got the ability to be offensive. He's a tremendous skater, very fast skater. And as a result, uh, the Blades are happy to get him. And uh, that was, unfortunately, I think the only thing they were able to do, I think they'd like to have done a couple of more things, added another four, because a couple of the fours they've got injured balls here are going to be out for quite a while. Jaden Weens, I don't know when he's going to come back. Maybe uh, sometime in March. Uh, he had surgery here recently on a lower body injury. And Tyler Parr, I don't know if he's going to come back at all this year. He's only a 17-year-old, but he was playing in their top nine and a big part of their checking line. Uh, he has a shoulder issue that's probably going to require surgery. So, uh, those two guys aren't going to be back for quite a while. It would have been nice maybe to get a second forward, but hey, take what you can get. Uh, it is what it is. You, you go forward with what you got, and the Blades will go forward with what they've got starting tonight. All right. So, uh, you know, the only thing constant in sports is adversity. The Blades will face them, as you said. So, uh, in terms of going forward, how do you feel about this team as it uh, stacks up against the Red Deers, the, the, the Winnipegs out here, and then, of course, uh, the Juggernauts out west, too? Well, the juggernauts out west are something. I mean, when you take a look at the way these deals happen and, and the size of them, the prices were crazy. Uh, it's like Seattle decided they were going to try and, you know, price everybody out of trying to acquire players in order to uh, uh, challenge them for the Western Hockey League title this year. And they may very well have succeeded. Although Winnipeg tried to make sure that they kept pace and, and Kamloops, as host of the Memorial Cup, tried to keep pace. Those are the three teams. Anything that's less for those teams than being in the Western Hockey League final, being the champion, going to a Memorial Cup is going to be a disappointing season. Two of those three should get through. However, there are teams like the Blades. There are teams like Red Deer, like Moose Jaw, um, like Portland, who we see here tonight, that are going to have something to say about that and uh, have got really good, strong teams as is. And I think the Blades are, are, are capable if they get everybody back and healthy and then they get the kind of lineup that they are capable of having, uh, they could give Winnipeg a run. They could give Moose Jaw a good run. And then come, if they happen to get through three rounds of playoffs, which they haven't done since 1994, then they could maybe give a Kamloops or a Seattle or a Portland a good series in the Western Hockey League final. And who knows what happens from there. Got one minute left, Les. Uh, would you have found a way to have traded Connor Bedard if you're the Pats? Because they don't, I mean, I love Bedard. I, I want to watch him as much as I can. But the Pats still don't have a sniff. It would take a miracle for them to do anything in Bedard's last year with the Pats. Would you have done something? If I'm a hockey guy, I would. But I'm not a hockey, but this decision I still think is not a hockey decision. Uh, I think it is a management and ownership decision and good on the ownership for doing this because they realize that there's money to be made by having Connor Bedard stay. See, first round draft picks and especially first overall picks get significant money come to the team if you're a member of that team when the NHL draft happens. So keep that in mind just because 
Bedard might have gotten you a boatload of picks and prospects and players. Who knows what the package could have been? It's still something to be said for having him and the prestige of having been the Connor Bedard or the Regina Pats picked first overall in the upcoming NHL draft. Man, you're eloquent and you hit it right on the nail in time. Thanks for your time, Les. Have a good call tonight. Thanks, Balti. See you soon. We'll take a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620. Yay. 431 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. Well, 38 days after he sprained his PCL, Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed another practice, and he's on track to miss his sixth sixth straight game. In addition to Lamar Jackson not practicing, uh, Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley did not throw a pass during the media viewing of Wednesday's practice due to uh, some tendonitis in his right shoulder. So, oh boy, Ravens might be an early exit in this year's playoffs. Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel ruled out Tua Tungavailoa for Sunday's game versus Buffalo. He has still not cleared concussion protocol. Dolphins are preparing to start rookie quarterback Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson versus Josh Allen. Eugene Lewis, you usually sign, like from what I'm told, I talked to Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette, you usually have something signed by January 1st. You don't right now. So uh, what's the reasoning behind that? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but you tell us why. I feel like, you know, last year I definitely signed a little too too fast. Um, I had some things going on, some situations going on back home and things too. Um, but uh, I'm in a different situation this year, man. Um, you know, these last couple of years, um, you know, I've, I've been really just trying to put myself on display, uh, help my team win a great cup each and every year. Um, and, and, you know, uh, my, what I do on the field is, is you know, is self-explanatory at this point. Um, I don't really have to explain or, or, or prove, you know, that I can play the game. Um, I felt like I, I, I kind of separated myself um, in, when it comes to, you know, the receiver groups. There's a lot of great receivers in the league. Um, but, you know, I've just been doing this very consistently. A long time now, you know, since 2017, I've had 17 starting quarterbacks, and I think 22 total, so um, and just been, been as consistent as I possibly can. Uh, I just feel like, you know, I know my worth, I know my value, um, and I just want to be appreciated for that. 91 catches, 1,303 yards, and 10 touchdowns with a 14.3-yard average in the regular season for Eugene Lewis, who I do think is the best receiver in the CFL, and I've said it all along last year, too. Gino, do you think you're the best receiver in the CFL? Um, absolutely. Um, I feel like, you know, the things that I do on and off the field, um, it, when it comes to short passes, uh, intermediate passes, deep passes, uh, I, 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 I do. I just I make contested catches. I do everything that I possibly can, and um, honestly, I just feel like I just feel so much more in the tank for myself. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for so many receivers in this league, um, and there's, there's guys who, before, when I first got up here, who I looked at and told myself that if I want to be at that level, I have to get to their status. And um, you know, I just kept grinding, man. I kept doing the things I had to do, and. Um, at the end of the day, my, my film and my stats, they, they speak for itself. Um, you know, I, I can't really, I'm, I'm not going to go and, and say I'm this and that because at the end of the day, we can all say we're this and that, but it's all about really 
you know, with the, with the fans think. And, you know, ultimately me, I'm always going to feel like I'm the best in, in everything that I do. Maybe I could get you some free pizzas, Gino. You think that could tip the scale in February? Okay, okay, okay. I'll listen, I'm, I'll listen. If, if you got some options for me, man, I can listen to it, man. Just, just let me hear what you got. That's, right. That's awesome, man. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes, Danny Machocha. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year to you and your family. How are things? Things are real well, real well. Love talking CFL football, and that's what we're doing here with uh, the winter meetings going on. After a pretty good run last year, Danny, did you ever hesitate in deciding on staying on as the head coach? Not at all. <laughs> no, not one bit. Uh, that was something that I uh, made crystal clear when I did uh, take uh, the opportunity to get back on the sidelines, and it was going to be short-lived. Uh, there was a plan behind it at the conclusion of the year. Uh, it's fairly difficult to do both jobs, um, and when I did take uh, the general manager's job, uh, I made it crystal clear that I thought that as an organization that we were going to be structured moving forward that the head coach and the general manager would be two separate people, two separate positions, two separate posts, uh, and two individuals that would be able to work with one another. So uh, I did it because I thought at that point in time it was best for the team. But moving forward, I, I believe it's best for the team that there's two different people occupying both roles. Hey, you're a fiery guy, man. I remember that Grey Cup where you thought you won and you hadn't won and then you won. Everybody remembers that. You, uh, you're you passionate on the sidelines. Come on, man. You can't replace that uh, sideline energy up in the GM's chair. How do you... Does a big deal replace that for you? How do you do it? Well, you know, it, it comes with age. <laughs> I mean, uh, what you witnessed, I was 30, 38 years old in 2005 for that great cup game. And then, you know, obviously my experiences, you know, in Edmonton winning a couple of great cups and then going to the university of Montreal, going to three Manier cup, uh, finals. So, I mean, I got my taste, uh, of what it, you know, what it means to be on the sideline and I experienced it. Uh, and I had a great time doing it, but you know, I'm in one of those building modes right now. I want to build, I want to, I want to sustain, um, you know, something that we're going to build here throughout the course of, uh, you know, the, the next few years and be competitive week in and week out and not only be competitive on the field, but also, you know, uh, be competitive off the field as we get involved with the community. Um, you know, football in Quebec is alive and kicking. So it's an opportunity for me to give back to and make sure that when I do walk away, it'll be part of my, uh, part of my leg that I left it in the better place than I found it. Danny Machocha joining us here from the Montreal Alouettes. Danny, uh, I cautioned Ryder fans when they were saying, get rid of Jason Moss. I was like, careful what you wish for. This guy didn't get dumb overnight. What do you like about Jason Moss? And was there any hesitancy after him having a tough year in Saskatchewan? No, I thought uh, that to me was the icing on the cake because you know, I watched him throughout that you know, that, that fairly difficult season, the way he handled himself on the sideline, the way he handled himself with the media. And I thought he was a, you know, consummate, a consummate pro with, 
with a fairly difficult situation that he was experiencing. But, you know, Jason Moss is, uh, you know, he's, he's creative, he's imaginative, he's got a, a sharp football mind. You know, and I spoke to Ricky Ray, Mike Wiley, uh, uh, and I know that he's worked with Henry Burris, and then, you know, I had extensive conversation with uh, Trevor Harris. You know, they, they all said the same thing. He's a leader of men. Uh, you know, players are going to play hard for him. Um, um, you know, like, I mean, he's got a bright football mind as far as offense is concerned. And um, like I said, he's a leader of men. And, and to me, that's the kind of guy that I was looking for that's going to be passionate uh, and that's going to bring a lot of energy uh, day in and day out to work. And I thought he was a perfect fit at this point in time for the Montreal Alouettes. And um, let's not forget, I mean, he's so much success on offense. In Ottawa, four receivers with 1,000 yards. Um, and like I said, he's, 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 you know, he's had an opportunity to work with some, um, you know, players that are now are in the uh, Hall of Fame or in the process of going into the Hall of Fame. So, uh, like I said, at this point in time, uh, he's, uh, he's a good fix for what we're looking for here. Danny Machoch's importance to the Montreal Alouettes organization takes on a, a bigger importance now that you guys are uh, have a changeover with the presidency there. Uh, i got to ask you this. I'm way over here in Regina, Saskatchewan. You're over there while you're in Kananaskis right now. But is there an air of uncertainty around this team with the ownership and everything? That's what it kind of feels like from the outside. What's it like there, actually being on the ground floor? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, directly involved with the ownership group. Uh, listen, I mean, everything that we've proposed to date, uh, they, they've respected that, uh, you know, we've uh, given them a blueprint, uh, how we envision, you know, the upcoming season, uh, you know, uh, as far as, um, you know, as far as uh, the, the football team is concerned, and also all the activities that we're envisioning doing uh, uh, off the field, trying to get involved into, into the community with uh, with, uh, with our corporate sponsors, and uh, they've been extremely supportive. Um, you know, they're, they're always open to suggestions. There's an open line of uh, communication with them. So uh, as we speak, I haven't had any issues uh, to date. So uh, it's business as usual for me on the football front, and, uh, and God knows we've got a lot of work to do here in the next few weeks. Hey, Danny, NFL teams have, they got a big front office. They've got capologists to help them, and those guys work with the GM. What, what kind of help does Danny Machocha have? He's got a few free agents to sign. Yeah, I mean, I got the same help as every other team. You know, we're, the, we're governed by the non-player salary cap. There's only so many dollars in that envelope. There's only so many people you can employ. So I'm not going to call it a skeleton staff. But it is a skeleton staff, and the reality is you can't just be specialized in one particular area. You know, when you hire people these days, you gotta, you got to make sure that they check off a few boxes. So um, I'm pretty comfortable with, the, uh, with uh, you know, the football operations staff that I've got surrounding me. Uh, I'm, I'm actually quite fortunate to have some, some qualified people that, uh, that are able to find talent, that are able to help me negotiate contracts, and, and, and are going to help me, uh, you know, during this free agency period. So um, that's part of our reality. It's part of the CFL reality. Uh, but it shouldn't hinder us uh, in, uh, in the upcoming year. couple more quick questions for you, Danny. Once again, thanks for taking time out of the winter meetings. Uh, two of your better offensive players, Trevor Harris and Geno Lewis, are uh, headed for free agency. But if you look at the birth certificate, they are getting up there in age in terms of football 
age and inf- uh, tread on the tires. How much does that weigh into your uh, structuring of a deal? Like, for instance, Gino probably wants to be paid uh, upper twos, maybe 300000 but he is 29. Like, do you, how much do you weigh all that type of stuff? Well, you got to weigh it all. I mean, uh, obviously, we want Gino to come back. We've had discussions with Gino. Uh, they're fairly positive. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a process, but you know we're well aware of it. But you know, Gino still got uh, a few quality years left in him, and I'm sure they're going to be uh, fairly productive. And you know, he is amongst the best receivers in the CFL, if not the best. We're well aware of that. Uh, the other reality is, you know, Trevor's playing you know great football right now, and he's probably got a few more years left. And uh, you know, they they both know Montreal. Um, they know, they both know how we're structured, and I still think that we can get some mileage out of both of them. But you also have to factor in that, you know, you're going to have to line up a roster of 45. And it's just not lining up Gino and Trevor because we're not going to be able to get it done just with Gino and Trevor. So we have to make sure that we've got enough, you know, elements around them that we can be successful um uh, not only on offense, but also on defense and special teams. And back to Jason Moss, how much does his hiring help you in that process, do you think? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, when I went through the uh, interview process, um, I couldn't find one guy that didn't appreciate uh, playing for Jason Moss. So that's always a bonus. Anytime you've got a guy that, you know, that players uh, can interact with, that's engaging, that's open to suggestions, he's a, he's a, he's a great communicator, he listens, and players want to play for it. That can only help you uh, during free agency. And lastly, Danny, the one thing I've always uh, admired about you is your love for the C in the CFL, Canadians. Uh, you, you talked about the University of Montreal, and you were very successful there, so you were boots on the ground there. How much have you uh, have you seen this Canadian game grow in our country to the point where guys are coming out and they're pretty well pro-ready or they're a lot ahead of, ahead of schedule than they were in the past? It's been unbelievable. I mean, when I broke in in 96, and you, you know, we didn't get anything remotely close to what we're getting now coming out of the draft. Some of these kids are able to come out and play for you immediately and not only play, but have an impact. And I'll give you the example of, uh, you know, we had Tyson Philpost uh, uh, last year. I mean, he's just right out of Calgary, steps in, and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, he was quite productive for us, and he had an impact on what we were doing offensively. So, you know, they're better, they're better you know, they're better conditioned. Uh, their, their football IQ is much better than it was probably 25, 30 years ago. They're better coached. And, and the structure is a better one uh, throughout the country. So, um, listen, the football across Canada is, is alive and kicking, and uh, you're starting to see quite a few not only have an impact in the CFL, but are having an impact also in the NFL. And take a look at the number of kids that are coming out of high school and getting, and getting uh, an opportunity to play on scholarship in the U.S. So uh, that's something to be proud of. And now the question is, how do we keep... Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Great show going right now. We've had uh, James Gallo from the Moose Jaw Warriors. Voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Lubardius. We talked Saskatchewan, the rush. We talked with John Ryan about the NFL playoffs still to come. We're going to hear from uh, Jason Maddity, a little ice fishing, Mark Tressman former CFL and NFL coach. 
and Orlando, don't call him Orlando, Orlando Steinauer, the president of football operations and head coach for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You know me, Zinger. I've talked about this before. With regards to football, the two ways to grow it, new Canadians and women. Women, a very important uh, part. That's why when you see it, too, just like even the NFL, they have the breast cancer awareness because they already got the men. So they're, uh, you know, they could have blue prostate cancer thing, but they go with breast cancer because they do want to uh, get more females engaged in the sport in terms of watching. But sports is very important to no matter the gender, uh, just for uh, team building and unity and goal setting and friendships and all that stuff. And everybody should regardless of their gender, should have an opportunity to play whatever sport they want, if they can. We're talking now with the CEO of uh, Canadian Women in Sport. That would be our friend Allison Sandmeyer-Graves. Uh, she's the CEO. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, welcome to the show. Tell us uh, a little bit of what your organization does before we talk about this rally report that came out at the end of last year. Absolutely. So we're Canadian Women in Sports. Uh, we've been around now for over 40 years, and we're the lead voice and authority really championing opportunities for women and girls to play and lead in sport and to benefit from it, just like you described. Sport offers so many benefits, and it's a real platform for girls and women in particular to access and, and thrive in leadership throughout our communities. And so we want as many women and girls participating and leading as possible, and certainly in the same numbers as uh, boys and men do right now. Yeah, so, and, and your rally report that came out at the tail end of 2022, a call for a better, safer sport for girls. What were some of the findings in that, if you can outline it for us? Sure. Well, as you mentioned, one of the ways that we work to create change uh, is to really provide insight and education so that people can understand what this issue looks like all across Canada. Sometimes, you know, we, we base our, our understanding of things based on our own families, our own communities. But what does it look like, really? What does the data tell us? Uh, so we did this report. It's our third in three years, uh, supported by Canadian Tire Jumpstart Charities. And in it, we really talked to the girls and we talked to their parents. And we wanted to know, particularly in this now post-COVID world, what are they looking for? How are they, how are they participating? Where are the gaps? Uh, and what we heard is that the girls want to play sports. Uh, so often, girls not playing is really blamed on them. Uh, but girls came back to sport in droves post-COVID. Uh, but they're telling us that the quality of the sport just isn't there. It's not meeting their needs. Um, and as a result, one in three girls are at risk of dropping out in those teen years. And when they do that, they miss all of those lifelong benefits. So why, So what are, what are some of the reasons they are dropping out? Like it is, safety is one of them, but like, is it like body image thing or just the mentality towards the females? Yeah, it's really, it's a range of things. Certainly uh, body image and safety both came up. Uh, girls, particularly as they get into those teen years, they really, their confidence in themselves and their confidence in their skills really starts to get a bit shaky. They talked about injury. And then they talked a lot about quality of sport. And uh, there's different ways that we can unpack that. Uh, but p what parents and girls are saying is 
they want sport leaders, that's coaches and other people designing and delivering the programs, to have more training specifically on girls in sport. What girls are looking for, how you can best support them, you know, psychologically, socially, physically, and so on, to really create an experience that is highly engaging and that keeps them in the game. So uh, what can we do, uh, maybe just as, uh, you know, uh regular listeners or, or what can, uh, can, can people do to help out and, and what are you hoping to achieve here? Absolutely. Well, listen, Saskatchewan is a sport-loving province <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure that there are a lot of people listening to this show in particular for whom sport is just part of who they are. Um, and so we're really asking people to extend that same consideration to girls and to recognize that, you know, the way that girls and boys are raised often means that they show up in sport differently. Uh, and so to create the best outcomes for the girls. And if you're a coach, to be the most effective coach you can be, to be the best parent for a, for a girl that you can be or what have you, uh, take the time to learn more to, you know, read up on what it is that girls are looking for. There's some great courses that you can take online that really unpack this for you uh, and that can help you be really effective in helping the girls in your community or in your life to to access sport and to stay in it and benefit from it. You know, but you, really, it takes that commitment. You mentioned that uh, something else and they're just caught on. So what caught on to what what? What are girls generally looking for in sport? How does that differ from what a guy is looking, uh, a, a boy or a guy is looking of forward to when they join sports? I mean, I think some of it would be the same, right? You want friendships. It, it, it's team building. It's uh, you know, sports is a team game, isn't it? Uh, it? It's like it's a team game in, in terms of your life, right? What you take from sports, you take into life and can use in the business community. That would be good for guys and girls. Absolutely. And you're right. There's so much commonality. Uh, You know, kids want to have fun (laughs) for one thing. And, you know, and so I think it's important to talk to kids and to ask them, like, what does fun mean to you? Because as adults, we can make a lot of assumptions about that in designing things. But to really ask them what that means, um, there's a few different ways we can look at it for girls uh, generally in terms of sport. One is girls just have less access right now. So when we're talking about just opportunities to play, there's less opportunities for girls. They're not getting the, the, the ice times or the field times or whatever that are really, that really work for them. They're getting old hand-me-down equipment that doesn't fit them. You know, things like that, that, you know, it's kind of like built for boys and then trying to cram the girls into it as best we can. We need to start putting girls at the center in those sorts of decisions. When it comes to coaching, there's some really subtle differences. And one tangible example is that for boys, they the generally, I'll say this is a research shows this, but it's always general when you're talking about an entire gender. Boys show up, you know, they grab that bat or that stick or ball or whatever, and they get down to it and they, you know, they perform and they do the skills and through that they get their social connection. Mm-hmm. Girls want the social connection first. <laughs> so yeah. you'll have a gym full of girls and they're just talking to one another. You're like, hey, let's play. And they're like, no, we're still talking. But that's a really important step for them to feel connected and safe so that then they can, then they can perform and try hard and do their best. 
it's a subtle difference, but lots of coaches say that is a huge difference maker for them when they're designing their practices or their activities with the girls to make sure that that social connection is front and center, and then they're going to get the best from the athletes. That's a, that's interesting, because when I think of you talking like that, I take it to like relationships, right? Guys approach relationships or things in relationships different than women. They're more into the emotional side, the connections. Men are kind of more cut and dried, so to speak. So it's kind of interesting. Well, there are some really interesting parallels, and I think the best way for us to really understand what this means in, for our team, for our daughters or nieces or what have you, is to ask them. You know, there's research and things that can help, and there's some great best practices out there. Uh, but if you really want to know, just ask them, hey, what motivates you? Why do you show up? When you think about not going, why don't you, you know, why would you, why would you stop or what, what would hold you back from participating? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the best part, what's the best thing about being out and doing this sport for you? Uh, so that we're not making assumptions, we're not projecting our worldview onto them, but we're really looking to understand them. And that's where we're going to then, you know, create the best plans and create the best approaches that are really going to serve them well. Allison, where can we get more information other than this uh, nine minute interview? Absolutely. You can look us up at womenandsport.ca and womenandsport.ca on Twitter or on Instagram as well. Awesome. Thanks for your time. This has been Allison Sandmeyer Graves, CEO of Canadian Women and Sport. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. That is a great guest. And hey, like we said, we're big supporters of female in sports. Uh, and uh, we love football around here, hockey, baseball, curling. We love it all. But uh, yeah, women definitely have a place on the playing surface for sure, women and girls. All right. When we come back, we'll have more of the sports cage after the five o'clock news, including a chat with Jason Manatee about ice fishing and Mark Tressman. Storied coach in the CFL and NFL um, as we talk a little NFL playoff action. This is the Sports Cage on 620. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Always a busy uh, show in our new time slot, 3 until 6, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. We've talked some hockey. We've talked women in sports. We've talked CFL football, more CFL football, more NFL football talk with Mark Tressman coming up here in about 10 minutes. But first, let's talk some ice fishing. Jason Manatee joining us from GetFishing.ca. Hi, Jason. How you doing, Michael? Good, man. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. So, um, ice fishing. It's it's that time of season, man. Um, what's the, For a guy like me, I fi- ice fished a couple of times Never in a shack, actually. Always just on a pail by the hole. Okay, like I'm old. I'm old school. Pack my sandwich. Get out on a nice day. Sit by a sit by a hole on a pail. For the novice guy or girl, what what's something we should know besides get a license for fifty bucks? Yeah, that's the biggest thing you have to do for sure. Um, is make sure you're nice and legal. Get a license and read the regulations because they're different for every lake. Of- what you can keep and sizes and that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, really, you, you, you take me back to my youth, uh, Ballsy, when I did it on a pail outside. And when you get those bluebell days and it's calm, which in southern Saskatchewan, calm doesn't happen very often, uh, it's beautiful to be out there in those conditions. But the evolution of fishing, you know, as, as your budget allows, 
Mm-hmm. It gets more and more comfortable with electronics and shelters and heaters. But you ask for the novice. And for the novice, really, what it comes down to is pick a nice day. Uh, and, and if you got a budget of like 50, 60 bucks, uh, go get yourself a rod and, and a hand auger and uh, see if you can get through. Go honestly, probably need about 80 these days because everything keeps going up. <laughs> Inflation, yeah. So talk about some of the innovations in ice fishing. Well, you know, the, the biggest one I would suggest is just the, the availability of portable shelters. Uh, there, is, there are tents. Uh, they call them pop-ups. Uh, basically what they do is you pull up the top and the four sides pop out. They make them in three-man, one-man, eight-man. Uh, and they, they go up and down really, really quick. And then you add yourself like a heater, um, you know, uh, that, that uh, runs on propane. And you can be as comfortable almost as in your house mm. these days. And, uh, you know, I, I, we even, of course, me, I've got one of every kind. So <laughs> I was going to say, you, the one man's, you can actually stay portable, too. You can kind of just drag them along with you. And, and really the key is, I was talking about the wind that we have in Saskatchewan. That's what kills you out there. So if you can just get a shelter and get out of the wind, that, that really, really helps. But, but I would say that's innovation number one. But, but there's more. Are you, an, are you an ice fishing guy or a, like a summer fishing guy? You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I love the, the, the sport so much. And because we have four months of the lakes being frozen, I have no choice but to be an ice fisherman. Don't get me wrong. I like my ice fishing. But if I had more boat time, I'd be remarkably okay with that. Too. <laughs> um, is there a key to attracting a fish when you're ice fishing? Well, you know, absolutely. You know, this time of year, as we get deeper and deeper into winter, the ice gets thicker. The lake overall gets colder. These are cold water uh, creatures, which mean, or I should say, cold blooded creatures, which means. They can literally lower their body temperature to like one degree if they have to, which we cannot do. That's how they survive outside in the kind of Saskatchewan winters we get. So as their body temperature drops, uh, Ballsy, that means their uh, appetite and their, uh, you know, metabolism drops. So you have to sometimes do some unique things to get them going. And, And really, once you find them, and you only find them by picking either a good spot where you've had previous success, or, um, you know, just literally drilling enough holes and covering enough water out there, now it comes to the attraction and the triggering part. And what we do uh, a lot of times is we have what we call noisy lures, like obnoxious lures, where they have rattles in them, uh, uh, spoons that have a lot of flash, vibration, things to draw them in. Uh, basically call them over and, and sort of create a commotion out there under the ice, and that'll bring them in. Okay, so... Can you give me a couple of good fishing spots, Jason Maddity, where, you know, some of the uh, some of your favorites? Well, you know, uh, particularly in, you know, in southern Saskatchewan here, I, I, I love the Coppell Lakes. Uh, there's a Buffalo Pound is quickly becoming one of the best birch lakes in the province. Uh, and it's really, uh, you know, uh, the, the fishing, I don't want to ever say it's easy, uh, ballsy, but it's, these are lakes that, if you spend enough time drilling enough holes, you're likely to catch something because the fishing is, is pretty good in terms of population for your perch, pike, and your walleyes. Um, and, and it's nice and close, so that means you don't have to give it a full day if you're getting cold or, 
we're getting bored. Um, you know, those are kind of my favorites just because I get to them the most often, mm-hmm. uh, the Coppell Lakes. And I, and I grew up fishing the Coppell Lakes, so my, a piece of my heart is always going to be there. If you want to strike out for some bigger game, though, um, even though you can catch the biggest fish of your life, honestly, on the Coppell Lakes still, there's 25-pound pike and 10-plus-pound walleyes out there. You go to Last Mountain, you go to Diefenbaker, Tobin, if you want to have more of a trophy adventure. And you got to remember, like we touched on earlier, you got to get a license, which is about 50 bucks, right? That's correct. Yeah, you can You can actually, if you go to getfishing.ca, we have a link that takes you right to the government of Saskatchewan website where you can get yourself a license. Now, a license, you can get it in, in a one-day, a three-day, and an annual pass. Um, and uh, it actually starts on at the beginning of the season because there's about a month off that uh, we give the fish sanctuary so they can reproduce. Uh, we're talking our most popular species. Perch, pike, and wally, they're spring spawners. Mm-hmm. So we leave them alone while they're doing their thing so they can make more fish for us to catch. Uh, but the, the annual goes from uh, May 5th in the south to uh, March 31st uh, is when the season ends. So if you're ke- p- picking up an annual license now, you're, you don't have a lot of time left. Uh, but definitely it, it's something you need to have. Um, we do have a couple of... Uh, weekends over the course of the year that offer a free fishing weekend. Uh, the Family Day weekend coming up in February, in fact, where you don't have to have a license, but you still have to abide by the regulations. Okay, and lastly, this might sound like a dumb question, okay? So humor me. Is there etiquette when it comes to... So you've got your little pop-up fishing area there. Yeah. Should, should I be a, a fair distance away? Like, is there etiquette there? You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's respect, really. You know, like, the, the thing about fishing is we go out to get away from it all, to kind of just relax, uh, shut off the world. So if, if you do see somebody nearby, you know, give them a wide berth. Give them, give them, a, give them 50 to 100 yards. Just, just let them have some space. And, and if there's a spot that you're on, you know, go have a conversation with them and just say, hey, I was wondering, would you mind if I fished over here? I had some luck the other day. Mm-hmm. And most people, you know, you just have that conversation, they don't even mind. So yeah. And it's you, always good if you're getting too close. Just, just you know, have that conversation and, and respect it if they're like, well, you know, I was kind of here first. Yeah. You know, because we got, we even though we don't have a ton of lakes here, we got enough water that we can all find it. That's you can right. always have, you know, come over, have a little fish fry or have a have a wobbly pop and listen to the sports cage in the, in the guy's uh, ice fishing shack, right? hundred percent. The guys have radios out there. They got TVs. They got satellite dishes. They got generators. They're wa- they were watching. There were some guys out there watching the World Juniors the other day. Um, you know, like it It really comes down to budget and, and kind of the, these are more the hard, the more permanent ones you see kind of in that Regina Beach area where you see that. But, uh, but you know, it comes down to it, it's a great way. You know, we know winter is very, very long in this province. And it's a great way to break it up and get out and get some pressure, get some exercise. And boy, you know, uh, anybody who's done it, you, you just, you're going to have the best sleep of your life after being out and getting all that fresh air. Jason, thanks for this. I appreciate it. For sure, Ballsy. Appreciate the opportunity. We'll have you on again. Jason Maddity from getfishing.ca. Mark Tressman, the uh, great football coach, joins us next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Buckles Casino power play for the Kraken. Burakovsky tipped in. 
in. Jordan Everly out in front. Beautiful hand-eye. It's tried to be rimmed around, but just cut this playoff. They're not in position yet, but Everly's standing in front of the net. The guy who shot the puck, trying to go all the way around, doesn't get back to the front of the net in time. You have Everly, strong side with his forehand. Nice tip right over the pad. Jordan Everly registers his 10th goal of the season as the Seattle Kraken defeat the Buffalo Sabres 4-3. to And with the win, Seattle is now sitting in third place in the Pacific Division. Former Regina Pat Jordan Eberly, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. All right, let's get to our uh, next guest. We always love having this guy on on the Western Pizza Hotline. He is Mark Tressman, former great CFL coach, great NFL coach, and he joins us uh, on the hotline. Thanks for uh, taking our call, Mark. I appreciate it. Michael, it's always good to have her. Aaron, you will call. Thanks for uh, reaching out and having me having me with you tonight. Oh, for sure. Thank so, with you. so uh, you're a, you're big into leadership. Uh, always been a great leader. I, uh, whenever I bring up your name to some of your former players, like Luke Molitor, he tells me, "I wish that guy could have coached me for my whole career." Now, leadership comes in a lot of ways. I like a comment from you on the leadership showing on that field in Cincinnati between Zach Taylor of the Bengals and Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills because that had something to do with more than just the game, obviously. Yeah, well, leadership isn't about the leader. It's about the people he inspires and influences. And, you know, leaders have a, have a platform uh, through words and actions to show people, you know, how to live a moral life. And, um, you know, no better guy. I mean, I don't know Zach well at all, but I know Sean very well. And, you know, what you see is, is who he is. I mean, his actions and his words, um, you know, correlate to the person that he is. And he's a great example of a leader who can be extremely demanding and forthright and honest and at the same time be caring and loving. Uh, and I think that's part of coaching uh, the, this new generation and teaching because we're so interdependent and interconnected today in today's world. We all have phones. We all have access to the same information. We all get notifications from the same people with our phone. Um, you know, what we say and, and, and more importantly, how we do it uh, matters. And uh, uh, it was a great example, not only uh, to the people in the stadium, but uh, people all over the world who watch, watch it happen, uh, you know, in Cincinnati a couple of Mondays ago. What did Bud Grant mean to you? I assume he, the former Bomber Viking coach, I assume he was that guy for you, taught you in some ways to be a leader or showed you how to be a leader. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many ways. I mean, Bud was a master of observation. He saw the little things um, that, that others didn't. Um, he recognized the nuances of people, their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but, you know, he, he, he knew that, that football was, was in, football was extremely important to him and it was his platform, but it wasn't his purpose. His purpose was, uh, not only to be a good father, but to be, a you know, somebody that, uh, you know, the team, the players could look up to. And, uh, he just had a way about him, uh, understanding what leadership was. He was always say is to me is all I had to do is, was, uh, you know, tell Jim Marshall what I wanted. And he took care of the rest. So, you know, he didn't, he didn't look at, players as being, you know, followers, he looked them as opportunities to grow leaders. Uh, I think that was, 
you know, something that I learned from him. Coaching can make a difference. We know that. Uh, you know, Mark Tressman with Rich Gannon. Mark Tressman took Anthony Calvillo to new heights. Um, and, and, you know, you look at Peterson now, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and Shanahan. Everybody thought the 49ers would go on the tank with uh, with Mr. Irrelevant, as they call him, uh, Brock Purdy, but they are rolling right along. Um, how can a coach make a difference in that you know, coach quarterback relationship. That's a very intimate relationship. It is. It's it's the most important uh, meeting room in all of sports is the is the quarterback room. You know, that's that's the hub of of everything that happens on a football field um, from Monday, you know, through game day. Um, I think the the coaches in both places have done a, a tremendous job. Doug Peterson, Scott, Mike McCoy, a really experienced coach. He's got Henry Burris in the room. Yeah, get. That Henry Burris is in that quarterback room as well as as Mike McCoy's assistant. So let's let's shout out to Henry, who's you know on his way to a, you know an exemplary coaching a career. But uh, you know, obviously, coaching is critically important. Um, you know, you got two diametrically drafted players. You've got the first pick in the draft, and you've got the last pick in the draft coming to you know coming coming together, so to speak. And I think that we all saw in Trevor Lawrence what we're now seeing. Um, I don't think anybody could have known. When you think of Purdy, you think of a starter getting getting hurt. Um, you know, back in the day, it was Tom Brady. You know, came in for a starter. Kurt Warner came in for Trent Green. You know, and elevated their teams to Super Bowls. And uh, Mister Relevant Brock Purdy has shown that. You know, he is he is very special, not only with intangibles. But he's got spatial awareness. He's got functional intelligence. He's able to slow the game down. And he came ready. And I think you started with coaching. And this is really a credit uh, to Kyle Shanahan and his staff is you got to get everybody ready to play. And obviously, this just wasn't Brock get in there. This was Brock Purdy from the moment he showed up in the building to prepare him and develop him for his moment. And that's what our job is as coaches is to get every player ready for their moment. Uh, when they have the opportunity not only to be the best player they can be, but their interconnectedness with the team for the team to be the best they can be. So, you know, shout out to Doug, shout out to Kyle and their staffs for the job they've done. And um, what a great story, Brock Purdy, uh, two of the first and second team quarterback get hurt. He jumps in there and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's got a chance to lead his team. Arguably, they'll have a chance to get to the Super Bowl with the type of team they have. Great running game, explosive players, great defense, and good special teams. They're in position with, what, an eight- or ten-game win streak right now Mm -hmm. uh, to be right there in the end. Mark Tressman joining us here. Uh, Great football knowledge, uh, almost unparalleled in my opinion. So, Mark... um, I'm a Chargers fan, so and I went to uh, their game against Miami. We took listeners down there. It was great to watch that kid, Herbert. He made a couple of throws that only a few people in the world could make. Herbert versus Lawrence. I think this could be the tightest game of all the games. As a quarterback guru, what are you looking forward to? I think so. Laugh if you want. But as a guy that knows quarterbacking, what are you looking forward to in this Lawrence-Herbert matchup? Should be a beauty. Well, first of all, if you love football, the joy of football starts with the play of the quarterback. And, you know, for me, you know, if to me, if Herbert gets through this game, he should be the most, he's arguably the MVP of the league. I mean, if he, if it's better that they hold off 
you know, getting putting an MVP into place until the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. Herbert has the ability to get them to the Super Bowl. Mike, if Mike Williams is healthy and their and and uh, Staley's defense just plays sufficient, uh, Justin Herbert to me is is on parallel with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, you know, Tom Brady at his best. I mean, we're looking at somebody who is. Uh, extremely special, um, uh, and so I, I think I think Herbert's a cut above Lawrence, uh, but I certainly think that as a team, you know the the Jaguars are in a position uh, to to beat anybody. Uh, the way they're playing and the confidence level, and Trevor has shown that he can win games late. And the beauty of both these quarterbacks are they they can throw from the pocket. And I think to be a great quarterback in the National Football League, you have to be able to throw from the pocket in the last two minutes of the game, and both these guys can do it. Mark, it's always a great to pick your brain, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it down the road. Thanks for your time, Matt. Happy New Year, and enjoy the football this weekend. I know you will. Yeah, keep up the great work, Michael. Thank you. Have me on. Thanks, I appreciate it. That's Mark Tressman. Uh, obviously, uh, you know who he is, man. Uh, we'll be back with more of the sports cage coming up on the other side here on six twenty CKRM. All right, it's exactly five thirty here in Saskatchewan, and we got. Four games in the NHL on tap tonight. This is your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. All right, so we got the Edmonton Oilers in Anaheim at the Honda Center. That's going to be a 9 p.m. puck drop. Wow. So uh, that's the... I guess the Toronto Maple Leafs also in action tonight as well against the Nashville Predators. The Washington Capitals in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. And the San Jose Sharks in L.A. to take on the Kings. This is Pat Chat for our friends at the Canadian Brew House with locations in Regina and Moose Jaw. The trade deadline came and went yesterday, and Connor Bedard, as John Paddock told us all along, would be staying with the Regina Pats, and that's indeed what happened. And the coach and GM of the Pats spoke with reporters after the inevitable happened. Given the blockbuster trade that did happen in the depth, we saw how much went on between Canvas and Everett. What would it have taken to trade Bedard? Uh, I don't know. I can't answer that. There's no reason to answer, and I, and I don't know. Um, hypothetically, it would have been a huge trade. When you saw the kind of returns that there were four first rounders in some cases, did it all get tempting to reconsider? Uh, not really, because like this was a, this is a different thing uh, because talking about two sides like us and me and Connor or whatever you want to call it uh, it's different than a 19 year old yeah I'm not going to go through the ways it is different this is what there's one major huge win I'm not putting by any means it all on him you know but it, it was just different so um, yeah you think about it to some extent uh, those returns I think everybody in the league is going like wows for Prices, period, and I think it's very resembling of when we were hosting, which was probably the last host here since Kelowna's got cancelled, um, and that drives up the prices because there's at least one more team, if they need be, uh, you know, in a buyer's 
buyer's thing. And so that jacks the prices up. Like, you know, I, we were involved yesterday in one uh, where a player went to, to Brandon and Red Deer got one. Like, you know, there's a big price being paid and, and we like those players too. But, you know, there's a big price being paid for three goal scorers. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Here with the head coach and president of football operations for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, Orlando Steinauer. Oh, how often do you get called Orlando? Oh, goodness. Well, I can tell you I've got more certificates and trophies that say Orlando than Orlando. And uh, when my mom was around, she would be the first to let you know. In fact, an interesting story in in college. uh, I mean, I made a few plays in college anyway, so they called Mm -hmm. my name a few times. And uh, they were saying tackle or whatever by Orlando Steinauer. And she, she had had enough about year two and walked up there. (laughs) <laughs> to the press box and said, so I, I can't, uh, I can't tell you how many times, but it's often. Well, everybody knows your name cause you're a great uh, coach in this league for a long time and a great player too. Hey, uh, just before we get to some meat and potatoes here, Gronk said that he doesn't like when people pat him on the back and invade his space. That's a pet peeve. Now, Orlando, besides answering clueless questions from the media, what's your biggest pet peeve? Ooh, man. Um, shoot. I don't, I don't know if I have a, a biggest one. Um, I, I, you know, I think like two too many people, items, when, maybe in the when, grocery, too, too many, too many items in the grocery store uh, in, the, okay. in the short, in the, ah, that, that one, that one bothers me a little bit. People that, uh, I don't know, rude people. I, now that now I'm going to start rolling off my tongue quite a bit. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I just kind of generally shake my head. You know, there, there's there's certain things that uh, I don't like when people don't clean up after themselves. I don't get that very much. I don't understand what that's no, about. No, I, I don't either. Um, it's nothing. They're not com- they're not conversation topics. <laughs> hey, how do you view the media? And what I mean by that is, it a chore for you to do things like this, or or meet with them after practice, or do you embrace the entertainment side of football? Yeah, I embrace it. I mean, you you truly are short for a mediator. You're, you're 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 everybody has a job to do. I think some people are better at it, just like anything else. When you some people are better at serving fries and taking your order than others. And there's some people in the media that aren't great mediators. They you know they kind of just work their tail off and and are deserving of opportunity. And sometimes that drives you a little bit nuts and then ones that are just there to stir the pot and mm-hmm. you know media's changed a lot also right uh meaning you know that you're trying to get clicks and hits and you know it's, it's days of the newspaper are gone so uh, you know i i embrace it because we're all you know they're reporting on maybe a game they couldn't play and we're coaching a game we're passionate about so i respect it you know these type of ones are fun uh, as soon as they start you know asking why and how, why didn't you do this and, mm-hmm. you know, this call and that call. That that stuff wears on you a little bit. But I know in the media, they would say, well, that's what you sign up for. And yeah. I'd say, yes, but there's a way to do it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Orlando Steinauer joining us here from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What are these CFL winter meetings like for you? You know, I, I actually enjoy these meetings. For me personally, it's it's a chance where we're all actually on the same team. 
we're all trying to find ways to make the league better, to get more fan engagement, to talk about ways to improve the product and improve the game. And so I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, you know, it's wall-to-wall meetings. And, you know, it's not, uh, you know, there's lots of laughs and those type of things. Um, but for me personally, it's uh, something that I look forward to because it is a time when, whether it's the media, the, the GMs, the president, the head coaches, um, you know, the, the, the big the presidents of the organizations are all together and we're all after the same thing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of rule changes made last year going into, uh, well, in the offseason going into last season, and I really liked them for the most part. I thought they were pretty good. Uh, I, I don't anticipate we'll see a, a lot of overhaul, will we, or can you fill us in? Um, no. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> there's not going to be uh, – I don't anticipate uh, ones of that magnitude. You know, we were really challenged as a rules committee to try and improve the game. And sometimes when you do that, you got to step out and, and not go with the Band-Aid approach. And that doesn't mean we were reckless in our approach, but we wanted to, you know, put a step forward, you know, with the hash marks and moving the football up. And, you know, I think analytically and, and whatnot um, – you know, the scoring and those things were up, and ultimately you got to talk to the fans and see if they felt like things were more entertaining. Uh, we certainly feel like we're, we're trending in the right direction. So uh, I don't anticipate those huge changes, but there will always be small tweaks. What did you learn about yourself as a head coach last year in what was, I think, an off-season by a Steinauer coach team? I mean, you made the playoffs, you had a nice late run, but it wasn't the Hamilton Tiger Cats we were used to from the two years previous. Yeah, I think just the, the importance of controllable factors and, and being flexible. And then, you know, the other thing is just really understanding that you don't know when your injuries are going to come. You don't. You can't control um, just all the things you think you can. Right? You can have a plan, and then you know that that's going to alter a little bit. And so for me, it's just put more emphasis on our core values and things that we believe in. And that simply is surrounding yourself with the best people, because when you're, you're guaranteed, what I always talk about is you're guaranteed in life and football for sure is adversity. So we focus on adversity responses. And so when you're going through tough times, who are you surrounded with? Do you, is there a fracture? Is there, um, is it, um, you know, is, is there a divide? And I think that that's where you talk about environment and culture and you really find out what it's made of during those times. And I found that, you know, our foundation was strong enough to withstand it. So, uh, Orlando, the Tiger Cats, very similar to the Rough Riders. Two years ago, you guys hosted the Great Cup. You played in it. Last year, the Riders were hosting and didn't play in it and took some heat. It was a terrible year for them. And you're back hosting again this year. How much pressure, do you feel any more pressure for having a home game on home turf where everybody expects the Tiger Cats? Because the last time they went to a game in Hamilton that was the Great Cup, you were in it. Do you feel any more pressure? You know, I actually don't, and that's not because it's the right thing to say because, you know, am I aware of it? Uh, is there going to be more storylines? Do we need to be prepared to answer those questions? Do we know that, uh, you know, if you win a few in a row, are they going to say it's trending and looking good? And if you lose a couple, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? That's kind of just what you sign up for when you're when you're the host of the Grey Cup. To focus on that, you know, we're just trying to win this, this day today. It'd be the best we can be leading up to – free agency and especially communication week. And then obviously you will have the draft. And so it's all sectioned off and, 
you know, we're just focused on those measurable things along the journey. You guys are mirrored in a bunch of different ways, the Riders and the Tiger Cats. You guys had two quarterbacks that were, uh, were cooking with gas the year before, and this year both had off years in Dane Evans and Cody Fajardo. I know you traded for the rights to Bo Levi Mitchell. What have those discussions been like? Have they been ongoing? Have you offered him anything yet ahead of free agency? Because I would think the Tiger Cats, want, they don't want him to get the free agency. Yeah, so the, since we've acquired his rights, you know, obviously we're working uh, to get a deal done. And uh, and so they are ongoing. You know, how they're going would be just in, in, in talking about that would obviously be a disservice mm-hmm. to Bo, uh, his representation in the organization and just the process there. So I won't, I won't comment on that. But, yeah, definitely ongoing. And, they, you know, that throughout the, the end of December and, and obviously here into January. So, um, the, the focus has still remained the same, and that's to try to get a deal done. So without uh, going into it too much, because uh, I respect the uh, privacy, obviously, but I'm media, i got to ask questions. Did you, did, you, yeah. did you learn anything about him that you didn't know with your, I know you guys kind of wined and dined him, got to meet him and his wife, Maddie. Did you learn anything about him that you didn't know? Well, I think the one thing is, is when you're around somebody, you, you can, it's the way you feel. And so, you know, just being around him and understanding his passion for football and, and just how he is around his wife and how he is around, you know, talking about his kids and his, you know, he walked in my office and I guess I had a, a picture that his father had. And so you get to know him as a person, not a player. And so, yeah, I learned a whole bunch and I'm sure he learned a whole bunch about myself and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's kind of what I talk about in leadership. I say it's not, it's not what you say, it's how you make people feel. And so, you know, I was able to get a good vibe and a great feeling uh, for the person. Uh, I already know what he can do as a player. All right, we're going to get Orlando to uh, stay on hold for a minute on the Western Pizza Hotline. Take a break and uh, talk more free agency and other things involving his Hamilton Tiger Cats as we're joined by the president of football operations and head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, talking all things CFL with the uh, winter meetings going on in Kananaskis, Alberta. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. What does it look like for you in kind of the war room, as much as you could tell us? And I say war room because much like a draft free agency, you you got that communication period. You probably got, okay, A, B, C, D. So what's that look like for you? Do you you have a backup plan in case things don't go the way you want with Bo Levi Mitchell? Because the Riders are kind of in the same boat. Cody Fajardo had a down ear. Not sure if he's coming back. Dane had a down ear. So what what does that look like behind the scenes? It's got to be a couple of juggling balls in the air there. Yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'll just address it as we would with any player, right? And so you have a you have a wish list and a and a way that you anticipate that it'll go. But every year, you know, you when you, so let's say we have you know A through F, and you know other teams may have your A their A through D may be the exact same as yours, mm-hmm. and they may be prepared to pay them. I don't know, ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand more. They may have a better location. Um, other than where, you know, for where they want to be at that point. And when you're putting together your wish list, you're unaware of that. You know, there's different people are at different points in their career. And then sometimes uh, people fall into your lap and, and things like that. So you definitely have to be flexible. I haven't been part of a free agency where it's when exactly 
um, the way it was planned, you know, and then I've been part of one where, you know, we, we landed Larry Dean and Patrick levels where we thought we'd have no chance at them. Now, you know, and they were, they fit into our, our cap and our, and our, and our budget in that way. And then the next year, no, we didn't even take the field that year. The next year, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. both of their salaries went up 40 grand, same players. Mm-hmm. Not that we didn't want them. It just didn't fit. And so um, each year is always going to be a challenge and flexible. You never, it never works out exactly um, how you anticipate, but, um, and sometimes your backup plan um, doesn't, doesn't uh, hold water either. Mm-hmm. So that's the importance of a pipeline and why you have a personnel department and you might end up playing with some younger players. A couple more quick questions for our Orlando Steinauer here. Uh, you got like, I think, 22 free agents of, of your own unexpiring contracts like Simone and Cameron Kelly and Javon Santos Knox. Um, do, do you favor, uh, you know, the devil you know, the players you know, uh, looking at re-signing your guys first before you you look at guys from other teams? Yeah, I think if they're players that you want back, absolutely. Um, and it's, and it's not just because you know them; it's because they're productive and they're great people, and they fit what you're trying to get done. Uh, the challenge is they've earned the right to go to free agency, mm-hmm. and so I know from the outside, from a you know fans and media's perspective, is like, well, this guy's a no-brainer. Well, for every extra ten thousand, fifteen, you pay this person, somebody it's going to hit somebody, and so you got to decide where it's at, and so. It's not a fun situation because you build relationships and I don't like to call them players. I like to call them people, you know, but when you get to this business side, it gets, it gets, um, it's just not a fun time yeah. right? because it gets misconstrued. Like you like they're not wanted or players aren't wanted where sometimes it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Is the business side of your job hard on the coaching side of your job? Do you know what I mean? I asked Dave this too. Dave Dickett said he's going into it for the first time, but you're there telling guys, Hey, uh, you, you know, we can only pay you this. In essence, you're not worth this much. You're worth this much. But then Orlando Steinauer, the coach has to say, okay, come on guys, we can get after it. You know what I mean? It's, it's gotta be tough. Yeah. And, and fortunately for me, um, you know, that's why I'm surrounded by great people, mm-hmm. not just on the football field or with my coaches, but, you know, also with the personnel department. I mean, Drew Almain, Spencer Zimmerman, and Ed Hervey, they're going to handle most of the contracts while the GM, the vision, and the overall scope and, and uh, responsibility is going to fall, you know, on the, on the president of football operations, the GM, or the decision maker. The title doesn't matter. Um, you know, you still have people in place to do their area of expertise. But it still doesn't make it any easier um, when they may feel a little bit slighted um, because they feel like, well, I'm just doing this because I want to be here. You know, you guys really got me on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find that that dissipates, you know, they have their, it's kind of like that 24 hours after a, a loss or a win, you got to move on. It's kind of like, Hey, like I always say to them, you're, you know, less than 1% of people are doing what you're doing. Yeah. And so there's other people praying for what some people are complaining about and, you know, and so you you kind of hit that middle ground that the window to do what we do is so small. If you have an opportunity to be on a professional football team, make the most of it. And if it's not a fit, it's not a fit. But to sit here and tell you that it's easier, I enjoy that part of it. I'd be lying to you. Okay, last uh, it's a two part question, so I'll I'll give it to you slowly here. So a couple of years ago during the Grey Cup, I think it was you. There there was a rumor you were going to leave for for American College and your alma mater, and you never did. So was that close? And the second part is, why do you like our Canadian game so much? Because I assume you do. You've been here a long time as a player and a coach. 
Yeah, so uh, first of all, the University of Washington thing, uh, it was not close. Um, I'm very good friends with Kaylin DeBoer. I worked with Kaylin. Uh, we still talk, great friends, and that sort of thing. That's just one of those things that uh, um, just kind of ran where it ran, and I didn't feel a need to defend anything because there was nothing to defend. So mm-hmm. that's what I'll say about that. And when it comes to the CFO, it's just – I just have a, a special affinity to it. Just, it's something that's given me my opportunity to continue playing in a, a game that I love since I was a, a kid. Yeah, you know, I had a couple stops in the NFL and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's football, and you're getting paid to play. And and then you, it just kind of caught on. And I think you know the big time really is where you're at and the people that you're surrounded by. And I just developed a love for the game and the players, and and whatnot. So um, the, the game is special. Um, I love Canada. Um, you know, we're dual citizens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, two of our kids were, were born here. And, uh, you know, our youngest, so our whole family is dual citizens. And it's just been a place that uh, we've embraced. And bigger than that, Canada's embraced us. Uh, the game is fun. If there was two games in a park, you know, I'm – Grew up watching the NFL game. I don't have. I love it and all of that. But if there's two games just being played in a park, and I said, "Well, here, this game's over here doing this, and this one's doing this. Which one would you like to do?" I think most people would run over to the CFL game. Wow. So, and, and, and hey, that's a great way to put it. An American guy, Dave Dickinson, said the same thing. I've always said, if you put a zero behind each of these guys' uh, paychecks, whether it was you, uh, Coach Steinauer, or maybe your quarterback or whatever, all of a sudden, just perception, oh, he makes that much money, he must be that good. You know, it's kind of perception. Because I watch a couple of NFL games in L.A. here in December, and I'm like, our game's way better. They just polish their product better. So how do we, how do, we do that from an entertainment standpoint well I just think that at the end of the day we need to just embrace that we're the you know we're going to be the second best league in the world that's just the way it is and that's you know the the NFL is a, a billion dollar business it's, it's just a different scope landscape there's um, different demographics it's kind of a way of life and so it's not even about competing with that it's just being the best we can be no different than you would tell your best friend or you know, your spouse or your kids, you know, be the best version that you can be. And, you know, don't try to be somebody you're not. And so we're always striving to be better, but we're going to embrace what we do and, and our authenticity. And yeah, the, you know, there's a business side to it. And, you know, if we could be playing on ABC and, and have 17 camera angles like we do or however many we have in the gray cup at all the games, and we could have players in commercials and, and big time sponsorships and, you know, hundreds of million dollar TV contracts, I think you could, but that's just not where we're at right now. And that's not something to get discouraged about. It's let's, let's be the best we can be. Let's embrace each other. Let's embrace what we have, be proud of it. And let's continue to build on it and not be satisfied. Thank you, coach. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you, man. This was fun. And I saw you hey, a couple times you slipped up. I thought you were going to say Orlando, but you did it. I did not, man. I had it written right at the top of my – in bold print. I had it yeah. right on the top of my screen, man. I ain't going to screw that up. Thanks for your time, buddy. <laughs> okay, bye for now. Orlando Steinauer. I like the mom and pop uh, – it kind of feels like an SEC day, doesn't it, when they come around with their college tours on the radio and everything like that? Yeah. I like it. It's good. CFL needs this, man. I like it. It's good. So coming up tomorrow on the show, just try to uh, put it together. First of all, first of all, Zinger, if they miss today's show, 
Go from top to bottom. Who did they miss? Well, I'll tell you what. They missed the voice of the Moose Jaw Warriors, James Gallo, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius, Matt Beers, a defender for your Saskatchewan Rush, John Hodge of Three Down Nation, Matt Dunnigan of TSN. Today is the day back in history, 1995, that the Birmingham Barracudas mm-hmm. were awarded a franchise. Matt Dunnigan quarterback that team, so we had Matty on to talk about that. Les Lazarick and uh, Danny Machocha. We had Coach... Mark Tressman, former head coach of the Chicago Bears, of course, and uh, I believe a three-time Grey Cup champion with the Montreal Alouettes, and uh, Orlando Steinauer, the head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We had Allison Sandmeyer. We had uh, Jason Manity. Man, we had it all, man. In three hours, we, we got our money's Ten worth And guess. Tomorrow, Bob Stoffer, the Edmonton Oilers Radio Network. They're playing the Ducks tonight. They better win that game. Arash Madani for his regular Thursday hit. We'll chop it up baseball and CFL style. We're also going to hear from Glenn Suter and uh, endeavoring, not endeavoring, I am going to talk to, we will have him on the air, Brett Jones, volunteer coach with the University of Regina Rams. I know he's trying to get into med school. But hey, does he want to play football? Yeah, no one's here heard from him in a no, while. So I'd this like is going to be an intriguing uh, little I'd like, chat. I'd like to talk to him. So we got that and much, much more. It is the Sports Cage. It's coming up tomorrow in its time slot, 3 until 6. Make sure you tune in. Um, we, we always encourage phone calls, too. I know we've turned into a guest-heavy show, but we'll always take your calls, too. So put these down somewhere. If you're local, 936-6262, the number to text or call, or one 767 we might even save a couple of spots for open phones tomorrow just to let you get your say. And shout out to Mark and Leonard on the on the text line. Okay, sorry, we didn't get to them today. We'll maybe we'll address their tomorrow. text tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, this has been the Sports Cage, a presentation of our producer, Sean Kleisinger, here on your voice of Saskatchewan and Rider Radio, 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.